Hi, this is Buzz Burbank, and I never listen to None Taken. Were you the one telling me that hazies sometimes have a uh, a smell, sulfur. a sulfur taste and smell yes. to them? Yes. So you got to pour them in a glass? Yes, it helps. Even then, you still may get it, but it's better than drinking from a can directly. Yeah. What you got there? Damn, damn good. Uh, I got Hazer's Gonna Haze by Belching Beaver <laughs> Brewery. Ooh. It has, uh, I think they're like two humanoid cats. One's got a regular jean jacket. One's got a cutoff jean jacket. And the one with the regular jean jacket's pouring his on top of the other cat's hair head. <laughs> I can't tell if the other cat has green hair or if the beer touching the cat hair makes it green. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Welcome to None Taken, the internet's only debate and current events show with me, your host Dustin, and over there is Alan. Thank you for joining us. At the time of this recording, it's Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. One week left. I'm in San Diego, and Alan's there in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are here recapping another week of current events and sharing way too much of our tragic personal life. Please like, subscribe now on whatever platform you're listening to this, and share this show with your podcasting pen pals. Alan, what is up? What is up, everybody? We're almost there. I honestly, I, I, I can't believe we're, we're a week out from the election. It feels like uh, we've been we've been building up to this for so long, and we're actually almost there. We're, we're a week away, ladies and gentlemen. The end is oh my the beginning, God. is the end, is the beginning, is the end. This I, is nothing. We're just moving into a new phase, and pretty soon we'll be a caterpillar. I, I, or the opposite <laughs> of that. You turn into a caterpillar? That'd I don't bad. know how that works. Well, yeah, it is bad. That's what's happened. We oh. were a butterfly, and we're turning into a caterpillar. Fun. Well, yeah. welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday. When you're listening, it's probably Thursday if you're my favorite listeners. Absolutely. How are you doing up there, man? I haven't talked to you in person for a week. We've obviously been texting. Right. Um, we didn't exchange a whole lot over the weekend. I know no, neither of us had much of a extravagant personal life over the weekend, but how you been? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, yeah, it's uh, it was definitely a, an eventful week news-wise, but personal life-wise, not so much. A lot of work. In. Which is fine, because we've got a packed show. We do. A lot of work and not a lot of playing last week. So Yeah, yeah. So we got a lot to get to. We'll get to our personal lives very quickly. Um, and we've got an interview on this week's show. I am proud to announce we have our third guest, Hannah Danielle Cox. She'll be on after our sports segment. We'll have about five to 10 minutes with her uh, talking about her new podcast. She's a political commentator and way too smart and intelligent and clear spoken to have spent time down here with us little <laughs> folks, but we had a great time. I think you can tell when you listen to it. Um, we did. Yeah. As long as we don't fuck this up, we will have her on again soon to talk more about the death penalty and a lot of the topics that you obviously come here to listen to. Uh, it yeah, would be nice very... to have someone who's informed on these subjects as opposed to us every week, right, guys? <laughs> she, she's a very interesting person. That was fun uh, having her on the show. And yeah, I'd love to have her back again, which we definitely will work on doing that. Uh, so let's see. I, as I said, really nothing to talk about in personal life last week. I had one thing, small thing to complain about. Can I complain for just a second? Yeah. 
Oh yes, I mean, please. Yeah. That's what we have a form. Yeah. <laughs> for. yeah. That's why we're doing this. Yes. <laughs> so I went to Habit Burger uh yesterday actually. Have you ever been to Habit Burger? Do you have Yeah, I like Habit Burger. Me yeah. too, usually. Oh. Have you ever gotten the burger with mushrooms on it? No. I usually like mushrooms, but they put and I swear I've had the burger with mushrooms on it before from there and it was regular like the white cap mushrooms whatever they are. They put port portobellos and no way they did and they were like overcooked so you know they get kind of slimy yeah it kind of grossed me out it ruined the burger texture uh did it like separate from the cheese and like yeah oh i don't even want to keep talking about dude i had i took them out and it would still ruin the fucking burger for me dude i was it was so yeah it was gross all right all right and i swear they didn't do that before so i was very disappointed normally i like having (sighs) a burger a lot but anyways did i just like yeah, and I'm actually already out of that beer. Ugh, I'm oh, so, shit. Ugh. Yeah. All right. No, I'm yeah. good. I'm okay. good. That's all. What else? That's all I have Not, to complain that was about. It. That's literally yeah. all I have to complain <laughs> That's about. You, so you use your personal life as yeah. a voice for complaining. I appreciate it. That's, you know what? There's a good reason why we're friends, Alan. <laughs> so we had a rainy weekend down here. How was your weather? Great. Uh, yeah, actually, nice. it was so. Last two nights were super windy. There was a red flag warning um, in effect because of they were gonna high, like high knock f- down your door and take your guns. No, no high fire danger. So especially up in the hills here in in Berkeley, El Cerrito, and then uh, all along um, the uh, like Oakland Hills as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've had. Um, there's been a couple fire. There was a fire in Orange County that like mm-hmm. lit up like that. Um, and actually, we're not going to talk about it on the show, but there's fires in Colorado that are horrible, just yes, horrible. And that. it and it and it's a weird situation because they actually were doing the right thing at first, saying this is remote, we need to let things burn, and then it just burned out of control. I I don't know the whole story, but just from what I've heard, it's just tragic. I have family in Colorado. I'm from there originally. Uh, you know. I yeah, was I mean, happy to hear that my friend was stuck in the snow on Sunday and not stuck in ashes, which was a surprise. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, no no fires have started up here. There was a small one that started in Sassoon, but they got it contained really fast. So knock on wood. I guess they were there were winds as high as 70 miles an hour in some areas, Jeez. which, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. Up there by you? Yeah, that's what happened to us is it was uh, power line issues from the winds. Yeah, Right. I know they were talking about evacuating some people and cutting up power advance of it i don't think it dude that's up... literally what happened here they didn't do it in time and oh. it caused an issue yeah these oh. the fires in orange county are by the power company right uh yeah anyways we don't have time for personal life uh no <laughs> we don't have time for sharks uh um, hey maybe we do well we might have time for sharks we uh, we do have a slot in the sheet we're gonna try to get to sharks if there's and time yeah it will have to be in the second half because of the interview, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had a rainy weekend down here. Oklahoma played. They won. I'm happy about that. We'll talk about sports more. Uh, we went out to a restaurant afterwards, sort of celebrate the win, just something to do. And it was a weird restaurant to go to because when I was a kid, this restaurant was a Mormon church. <laughs> that is weird. And now it's a Lexus dealership with a restaurant, which is also weird. That's strange. Yeah. Everything about this is like, I don't, like, w- weird zoning laws. <laughs> Um, and, but the big news personally for the week, I got my birthday present from my girlfriend. It finally arrived. And do tell. So she got me a denim jacket by a company called, company called Brave Star. Mm -hmm. They're out of El Segundo, like by LAX, but they, so like total hipster, right? (laughs) They bought the, uh, the raw denim stock from a company called Cone. Cone Denim, which was the last American company to make selvage in the U.S. So selvage denim, now you usually buy it from 
Japan because it requires a special type of loom that doesn't get operated in the U.S. anymore because they converted to just faster and cheaper dyeing methods rather than dyeing the fabric and then sewing it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to make everyone here be a denim fan, but she got me a raw denim jacket from this company who bought the stock from all the denim stock. They bought all the denim stock from Cone Denim, the last American raw denim or selvage denim uh, manufacturer. So it's kind of like a piece of history. I saw the, the picture you posted, and it kind of had a little James Dean look going on there. I, I thought it was kind of James Dean. If yeah. I dare bring him up three weeks in a row, I had a little bit of a, a Dr. Ian Malcolm vibe with that <laughs> chest open and, and hair there. What's his name in real life? Apartments.com? Uh, 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 motion picture. Uh, there was a fly. The in fly. There, yeah. there was a fly in there first. Uh, tiny imperfections in the skin. Uh, what's his fucking name? I can't. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that. Why was I blanking yeah. on Jeff? I don't know. I, yeah. right. These things happen. Right. Uh, yeah, anyways. So, yeah, that's my personal life. It's pretty good. But, um, Alan, a little bit of uh, celebrity news we don't normally talk about, but it kind of affected both of us. The passing of James the Amazing Randy happened over the last week. He was an inspiration to, I mean, countless performers. Um you know, but he, his his reach was beyond that. He touched the lives. He he was a founder of the skeptic community. Modern skepticism went through a, like a birth phase, and there was a lot of pains with it. There was ties to mystics and all these people, and then there was this time period where they were, you know, uh, debunking people, and it, there was just conflict because many of the people that were doing the debunking were the best bunkers, right? And he, in many ways, had a career at that. He had a career as a magician. Um, there's just so much to talk about. Alan, why don't you take it away? I know you were maybe even more of a fan of him than I was. Yeah, huge fan. I mean, he was... So, first of all, he, he was 92 years old when he died, so definitely had a, a, a nice, good, long life. We should be and, so lucky. Absolutely. And he accomplished uh, so much. What you were talking about, yeah, he started as a magician. He was actually born in Toronto, Canada. Um, and kind of got the magic bug early on as a as a young child, and it makes sense he was a Canadian. Yeah, his 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 stature is very unique. I would say, yeah, he, which probably you helped. mean like his posture and everything too. Yeah, or? Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, which probably helps. So he was an escape artist a lot too. He got he did all these crazy uh, escapes out of straight jackets, like hanging over Niagara Falls and and stuff and like he, that. He had to retire that phase of his career, right? Because he realized that he, if he wishes to be a performing artist, he can't keep doing things that are going to put his body through that right yeah he said it's kind of a younger man's game at this point i got to get out of it in fact he he tried a special he like he kind of styled himself after houdini at least his magic career so he tried a a specific escape stunt where he was locked inside of a a metal i don't know how to describe it container that was filled with water and it was padlocked closed if you've seen the opening scene or the 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 fatal trick in the prestige similar yes, to that yes and actually it was almost fatal for him so he injured himself he didn't know what happened but he actually he injured his back i think two vertebrae were crushed or something like that while he was trying to get out which prevented him from actually escaping but they did unlock and get him out and get him to a hospital so he survived it but um, after that, he kind of really didn't do any more of the escape stuff. He was already planning to get out of it, though. But he really transitioned sort of mid, uh, mid-career, mid mid-life, I guess, to, as you said, being a true skeptic and, and debunking all of these 
just you know this was you know 70s 80s kind of the new wave uh, the new wave sort of stuff happening where people were believing in people that could channel uh you know people that were 30,000 years old people are believing in crystals and uh people were talking about or believing in uh, people being able to like bend spoons and shit like that and what he did is really kind of prove that it wasn't real that it was just a trick some of the ways he did it were questioned at the time i, I think he i think he was vindicated he got ultimately. called he got called the master debunker and right. but he didn't like to be called the debunker because he he preferred to be called an investigator he was investigating if you said you're a debunker you went in with your mind already made up right one of the that's how exceptional he was he would watch a guy say he could bend a spoon and be like all right. I mean, I'm gonna say I'll believe it if you if I find proof. Right. And he was one of the people that helped set up all these like these studies. Like Stanford was uh, doing experiments. <laughs> well, that's different. That. Yeah. Well, so he had the million dollar challenge, and he had Project Alpha. Project right. Alpha is what you're about to talk about. Yeah. So Project Alpha was where he got these two sort of child prodigies who were into being able to do what's it called. Psychokinesis? Uh, telekinesis? Yeah. yeah. Where basically but, you can move objects or bend them with your mind. And he, Ghostbusters 2 stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he purported that these two were real, and he, or they purported they were real, but he was really behind the scenes, just kept the, pushing the, them. The people that he paid to do that, one of them was a guy who's a mentalist, and he's his own magician, I guess you could say, for short term or right. shorthand. Banachek, if you've heard of Banachek, he was one of the people that... Randy was employing to fool the people at Stanford into believing that they had mental powers. Right. And then they came out like at the end of this, this study and said, Hey, by the way, we're just, we were cheating the whole time, which is kind of a big, big deal. If you want to learn more about this, there's a great documentary called an honest liar that kind of covers all this stuff in most of his life. Very, um, very interesting movie. And it goes into some really deep aspects of his life that are very interesting to watch. One of the more famous things he did too was debunking, these faith healers, uh, these churches that did that, and figuring out how they were uh, basically conning the audience, and he actually revealed that on Johnny Carson, uh, one of the one of his huge accomplishments in life. So, yeah, just a really interesting guy. Um, I, I would say kind of a hero, definitely of mine. Yeah, I mean a, a hero in many senses. I mean, yeah. when you were talking about that Stanford experience experiment, my my favorite part about that was he actually told the participants, if they ever ask you, answer any questions completely honestly. And if they ask you if you're affiliated with the Amazing Randy, say yes. And they never asked. That was his point, was to prove that they would never ask. Like they wanted to believe. the re He was trying to show the flaw in the researchers' techniques, not right. that science is bad, right? Um, so he was a giant in the skeptical movement. He can't be understated in the world of modern skepticism, period. He was everyone's mentor. Like, there isn't a person alive now that is in the skeptics movement that wouldn't say, oh, I was inspired by James the Amazing Randy. All he ever wanted to do was promote critical thinking and skepticism. And people kept getting in the way. And yeah. that frustrated him a lot, right? Like, yes, he was a magician. Yes, he was skeptic. But he rose above all the others that were in that field because... He had those qualities that you needed to be able to fill those roles, but he was a human, and you could see it through everything he said and did. He was empathetic and understanding where people were coming from, and he was a good communicator because of that, you know? 
he had a great sense of humor and he was obviously he was a showman and I think he brought that to his later career when it changed from being a magician to being more of a, a skeptic. So really it's interesting. Not one guy. Of my, it's not one of my questions for later, but um could you imagine having his focus turned towards you? Like say you were a con man and you were going on the tonight show and you were like, I can turn pages of this book with my mind by like kind of flicking my hand a little bit, right? From 10 feet away or like three feet away. And he would just look at it before the guy would set anything up and he would tell the people on the set, sprinkle some baby powder or like packing peanuts all around that book. I I think he's using wind. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he would look at it and the the guy would come out to do his scam and be like, "Uh, I'm not feeling my mind tonight. It must be the crowd. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want that uh, that laser-focused mind turned towards you if that's no. if you're trying to be a con man by, by any means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. And we're in a better world because of him. Like, we're always... It's one of those things where, like, comedy from before your time sucks because you live in the world because of that. The Beatles suck because you live in the world <laughs> where rock and roll actually exists. Like, right. we will get to live in the world and benefit from all the things this man did as if it was just the air around us. But it's, there'd be a lot more charlatans out there if it weren't for him. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, before we get into the rest of our show, let's take a break in this timeline and move into an alternate reality where we had an interview with political commentator and new podcast host, Hannah Cox. Let's get into it. There she is. Oh, Hannah. hello. Hey, Hannah. Hey, how are hey, you? Hey, how's it going? Great. You, uh, you missed. You just. Uh, you're interrupting our medical talk. So, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> no. We can get through this. Uh, how are you doing today? It must be late there, right? So, so I know this. I can do this. This is an easy one. It's nine oh nine. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys in California? Yeah. Yeah. He's in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. I'm in San Diego. Uh, where you're in North Carolina? I am in South Carolina. South Carolina. Right okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't I know nothing yeah, about refugees, right? <laughs> fun, I, fun Senate race. They all are. Uh, yeah. Senate race. There's a kind of big Congress um, congressional race in the Charleston area that Rand Paul's people have been pretty active on. So it's an interesting place to be right here. It's, it's a lot better than New York City at the moment. So I'm glad that <laughs> this is where my family's at. Yeah, <laughs> We've I been open. What, what, what does your inbox look like? Because mine is just. Every senator that you can imagine emailing me directly about their race, along with Mitch McConnell, along with Trump, along with all the, all the Biden-Harris stuff, like, it's so hard for me just to find, like, the email I got from Firestone earlier today, like. You know what's so funny, and I don't know, I feel like I don't want to jinx it, but I don't get any of that, and I don't get um, the text or calls that everybody else is getting either, so I opted into something, but they don't have me. I, only <laughs> I don't get, know what it is. I only get the call about my uh, my vehicle's extended warranty. That's, oh, I get that too. Yeah. yeah that's the only yeah, one I get. I get, I get that like, one. I get like 15 texts a day for various like propositions and state ballot stuff like all the time. It's crazy. Interesting. Well, yeah, you guys have such an interesting system in California. We do a little bit of work there. My boss is based in California, so I've been learning a lot about your ballot amendment process, which is just so unique. I I have so many questions, but we haven't even introduced you yet, so uh, let me not waste your time. Let's get right to that and then get back into everything, okay? Joining us is Hannah Cox. You can find Hannah Cox at Newsmax. I always want to say Newsweek, which I don't think is a thing anymore. You can find her work at Newsmax. Medium, am I correct there? Fee? Medium. Um, I'm a contributor for the Washington Examiner, and lately I've been writing a good bit at Fee, so I'm all over the place. 
Nice. Or you can find her the way I did on Facebook. Definitely someone to follow. Great updates. Uh, good commentary. Very uh, measured, reasonable, consistent, which is harder to find than you'd think. So, <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, Hannah just started her podcast based. First episode came out recently. I enjoyed it and I wanted, we've been talking about getting you on the podcast for a while. I never really know how to coordinate that to work because we're always talking about current events. It's like, when are we going to bring someone on? And I was just like, you know what, Alan, let's ask her to come on really quick. Her show just came out. Let's talk about it. So if you want to just take a few minutes, maybe talk about your podcast, what inspired you to do it. And just feel free to talk as much as you want about yourself, uh, what got you to here. I, I, I know a little bit about what you've said about your background, uh, going from music into politics. Uh, but rather than ask you direct questions, I'd rather hear maybe you tell a little bit about that and why I, I think our listeners would love you. So just I'll let you talk. Sure. Well, like you said, I did start off in the music industry. That's what I went to school for. And I was doing pretty well in that industry, but I just really wasn't happy. I didn't feel very fulfilled with it. And I found myself being drawn to politics a number of years ago, just um, increasingly becoming more aware of just how much injustice was occurring in our country. And and really, um, I started working for a Second Amendment group kind of on the side while I was still in the music industry. And so I was working around a lot of Republicans, of which I was one. And I just sort of had this awakening of like, hang on, you guys aren't doing what you said you were. Like, you're not voting for limited government bills. You're not voting for free market policies. This isn't how I was raised. And it was just this huge shock to me. And so it really forced me to do a deep dive and figure out what I believed and why. And I think that's something a lot of people don't ever stop and do, you know, really dig into what their ideology is, how they formulate their opinions. Um, and so I, I took some time to do that and ultimately decided I wanted to move into politics. So in 2016, I made the jump full time. I started off working for a free market think tank in Tennessee called the Beacon Center. And we did a wide range of policy issues and also had a pro bono litigation side where we would actually sue the government on behalf of people who had had their constitutional rights violated, which was just so much fun. I love suing the government. <laughs> um, and so I did that for a number of years. But during that time, you know, um, criminal justice reform really wasn't quite at the crescendo effect that it is now, especially on the right. And I just had it just, you know, there was something stuck under my skin about it. I was so deeply bothered and felt really compelled to try to make a meaningful difference in that system. And so about two and a half years ago, I left and took over as the national manager for a group called Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. And I've been working with them to educate people in libertarian circles and Republican circles about the problems with the, the death penalty system, but also with the justice system as a whole, working to pass bills around that. And so that's my day-to-day -day life, but um, I have a lot of opinions on a lot of subjects. So I've been posting commentary on Twitter and Facebook for some time, and that has just grown and grown and grown. And in the back of my mind for a few years, I've been wanting to launch a podcast where I could help people do what I did a couple of years ago, really help them figure out what they believe and why, help them look at issues and trace through the government policies, the interventions, the history of them, and really help them kind of get to the bottom of why things are the way they are. Because I think so many of us can agree on the problems, right? Like I'm a libertarian, but I talk to people on the far left and even on the far right that, you know, we can agree on many of the problems of corruption and big government in this country, but so often they don't 
have what I think are the correct ways to fix those problems. And, and they tend to lean into big government solutions, which I think move in the opposite direction. So the new show is called Based. Um, it's, it's so exciting to me to get to launch this. Thanks to COVID, I have not been traveling for work um, like I usually do. So I've got a lot more free time on my hands, which has just given me the capacity to finally get this up and going. Um, so I'm really excited. It's going to be a learning process. I'm a one woman band. I literally like did set design for my studio. I've been figuring out the tech and the mics and the lighting. I'm doing my own hair and makeup. So I'm just all, you know, I feel like I'm wearing 10 different hats as I'm sure you guys are very familiar with. But uh, the first episode is looking at the question of democratic socialism and just trying to establish whether or not there really is a difference in that school of thought versus regular socialism. Um, and it's getting a really good response so far. So I'm stoked about that. And next month, we're going to be looking at what makes higher education so expensive, which I think is something a lot of people are really interested in. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talks about the need for free college, which I don't think would actually do anything to fix the situation when you dig into the problem. So that's the kind of thing we'll be covering. And uh, people can find it on iTunes and on Spotify at Based with Hannah Cox. Or I'm also posting um, the videos on my public Facebook page, which is at Hannah Danielle Cox 7. Um, and they're also on YouTube at Hannah Cox 7. So I'm all over. Very cool. Very cool. What was the inspiration behind the, uh, the name based? Well, um, I'm, I'm on Twitter too much. And <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> I, I don't know how I you often... do it. I only go there when I have to pro promote the show. And it doesn't work for me because I'm just not on there. So I, I <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're either on Twitter or you're yeah, not. Exactly. It's very clicky. And I feel like I have like the libertarian like high school gang on Twitter. So I they wouldn't accept me. Like I have my, my three or four real friends that are in there. I'm not libertarian enough in their circle. So like I'm just like I'm I can either like sycophant on them, which I don't want to, which I don't think there's a verb, but you follow me. Uh, and yeah. anyways, yeah, congratulations. I mean, you seem to be mentally well and spending a lot of time on Twitter, which is an accomplishment. <laughs> that is an accomplishment. I'm hanging on. I, I keep my mentions locked down. I try not to read the comments, so that helps. But yeah, on Twitter, people would often say, that's based, right? They would say, mm. you're based. Or, um, you know, they would respond to something I tweeted and say, that's based. And I just think it's a really cool slang word to mean, <laughs> kind of, you know, somebody's fed up. Like, they've had enough of the BS. They're ready to, you know, shoot it to you straight. They're not trying to sugarcoat it or, or appease anybody, they're just going to get to the truth. And so that's what this podcast is about. It's about just getting to the truth. I'm not on anybody's side. I want to figure out what the cause of these problems are so that we can better address the solutions. So it kind of has, you know, triple meaning like base, like the urban kind of slang meaning like it currently is used in the Twitterverse. But then also, you know, we're looking at the base cause of problems. And I'm hoping to give people a more solid base for their own beliefs nice. so that you know, that they don't have to come to me and say, how should I think about this? Or how do you think about this? I want them to be able to approach issues and deconstruct them and figure out how to think about things on their own. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely Go got to say my favorite liberty minded people all kind of have that type of thinking of I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to tell you, you know, this, these are the things that get me down to my principles. And if you do those same things, you'll have your own principles to be able to come up with your opinion on this, you know. You seem to see that more in that circles than other circles. One thing I wanted to say about your show, I really liked how much I ended up learning about it, something that I felt like I 
had already learned enough about, you know, democratic socialism. You go into that like, oh, come on, don't you know everything about that already? It's in the news all the time. You go in with an open mind. First of all, the dummy question of, well, what is it? I'm like, well, I feel like I know what that is. You're like, well, don't you vote for people to become a socialist country? I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And then my other aha moment on your show, it, it kind of reminds me, and this is probably too much praise, so forgive me. It reminds me of that Gladwell type <laughs> feeling where Gladwell will be like, here's the solution to everything. By the way, here's all these consequences maybe you hadn't considered. Uh, so like when you talked about Scandinavia having free tuition, but students are still paying like 20 grand a year to go there. I was just like, well, damn. They, it's like insurance. <laughs> they always get paid, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's a problem that we have so often, especially in this country where we have this like grass is greener attitude all the time. And and we don't really travel that well and we don't tend to pay very, very much attention to other people's countries. And so we have this notion that everybody else just has it so much better and is, you know, has figured it out. And and really, I don't think that's true. I think America has plenty of issues. Um, and certainly our government has by far exceeded the constraints it was supposed to be operating within. But comparatively, I still think we have the greatest country ever known to man. I think we have these in freedoms and protections in place. And we do have it better off than the vast majority of the rest of the world. Um, and so I thought that was important to kind of showcase because, you know, that was um, what has always kind of come to my mind. And, and I'll be, you know, upfront, I, I've been very grateful that I've always had employment where I've gotten insurance through my job. And so that's not something I've had to um, confront personally, but my parents, my dad's a pastor. And so most pastors are paid in a contract type arrangement with their churches and they don't actually get healthcare. And so the affordable care act did really hurt my family. It took away my family's healthcare plan. They've had to pay thousands of dollars out of pocket per month now for their insurance. And so um, that's something where I could see where, you know, having their healthcare covered might benefit them. But for me, that's, that's not a huge cost savings. Um, and then I don't want kids. I've always been very upfront about that. I have no desire to have kids. And so when they're talking about parental leave or childcare, I'm like, so you want me to subsidize other people's kids? That already kind of pisses me off in society. I already subsidize other people's kids. I pay for their schooling. I pay for all kinds of services around kids in this society. So why do I want to pay for more people to have more kids i don't like, yeah i mean that's so, that was you know, your decision like you know right like everything else right i mean why why yeah. does all of society have to adjust for your version of a normal typical life and then why does this have to get codified by our government that's right that's right and so you know and looking at as a whole what they get for the package deal that they've signed up for it would be a terrible wash for me i would lose a lot of income and get very few services which is already a situation i find myself in in this country where i pay a significant amount of taxes and get very little for it well hannah you're not being a good citizen and producing future taxpayers i <laughs> know <laughs> buck stops here literally yeah. <laughs> so, so how often are you recording the show you're doing like a weekly thing or i'm starting with a monthly podcast okay. i'm trying not to overcommit because there are just so many unknowns with my schedule right now typically december january would be really gearing up for sessions around the country um due to covid we don't know what's going to happen with legislative sessions some of them are talking about pushing into the spring some of them are talking about going remote i'm still trying to figure out if i'll even be allowed to travel with my company we're currently under a travel ban and so i'm, I'm trying to make sure that i don't promise something and, and then under deliver and so instead i'm hoping i can promise once a month hopefully gear up from there but um at the very least we'll have one episode coming in last monday of the month and then just be consistent and that's all that matters right that's right. And, you know, again, if I get capacity, if, if hopefully if it grows and I can, you know, afford to get full time tech support, because I have to tell you, I am a, I am such an idiot when it comes to tech. It just undermines 
everything I say about economics, I'm like, I'm, people aren't going to trust me because I can't work this mic. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it's, but it, I, I just struggle with it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine editing a video on top of the audio editing I already do. Like it would just drive me crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah it's it's definitely a lift and it is a learning curve. So if I find that it becomes easier and, and I feel like I have more bandwidth to focus solely on content, then hopefully I can start to produce more content because certainly there are endless subjects we could cover, you know, along these lines. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you've done a lot of thinking about some like really heavy topics, like like you mentioned, the death penalty. We'd love to have you back on when we have some time and we could actually kind of dive, take a deep dive into some of those topics. For sure. I'd love to come back anytime. Great. Very cool. You want to share your uh, your socials, your Twitters, kind of where people can find you? Yep. It's Hannah Cox 7 at Twitter, Hannah Danielle Cox 7 at Facebook. Um, they can find the podcast on iTunes or Spotify based with Hannah Cox. Um, YouTube is also Hannah Cox 7. And my Instagram is weird. So I would just recommend finding my Instagram through. It has a check I, mark. I had a great Instagram and then I got locked out and now it's just lengthy. So. Yeah. Well, no worries. Yeah. We'll put all that in the in the show title. So. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having thanks. me on. Yeah, Good absolutely. Thanks for you. coming on. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye. That was fun. That was fun. We forgot to have her say she never listens to None Taken. Oh, fuck. <laughs> hey, you know what? Actually, on that same subject, I have a surprise for you. Oh, all right. Cool. So... Um, I messaged Buzz Burbank news Ooh. of Burb of Buzz Burbank news and comment, and right. before that, the Mike O'Mara show podcast, and before that, the Don and Mike show, and before that, being a newsman in his own regards for years and years, we're talking about a very serious newsman who is going to cut a promo for us saying, "I'm Buzz Burbank, and I never listen to none taken." Oh my god, I can't yeah. wait. That's yeah. dope. I That's asked awesome. him, I was like, I don't see a voiceover page uh, or tab on your website. Right. And he's like, oh, I'll just do that for you. Uh, I'm not recording till later in the week, but I'll send that over to you. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. That is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's a legendary news guy. That's, that's yeah. huge. Every Very time cool. I message him and he responds, I'm like, I'm talking to like Paul Harvey. You're talking to so a cool. legendary news guy. Yeah, literally. and no offense, <laughs> Paul Harvey, <laughs> I mean, he's a great news guy. I don't think he'll be offended, but right. Paul Harvey was a, a suit. You know, right. Buzz is a fun guy. Yes, he plays his ukulele. Yes, yeah, and he drinks his and drinks his absinthe martinis. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Alan, you have I think our next major topic. Do you want to set it up and we can get into it? Oh man, this was uh, probably the biggest. Uh, well, there was a lot happened last week. I this know. Was... There's two major topics of the week, right? Yeah. And, and this one. So the 60 Minutes interview. I'll just throw it out there. The 60 yeah. Minutes interview with with Trump on that that dropped on Sunday night. It had been sort of rolling around the media where Trump was saying that it was an unfair interview and was going to uh, drop his own side of the, or his unedited version of the interview. Uh, he kept threatening to do it and then eventually did. Um, it, it was quite the 20 minutes. I, I didn't see it live. I, I watched it, I think on Monday. And as soon as I was watching it, I just had to like pull out my laptop and start typing up notes. Cause it was just all over the place. I don't even know where to start with this. Well, wouldn't it be nice? Okay, I don't know about you, Alan. You're a lot more measured than I am. Mm. It's not like it happens left and right, and I've gotten a lot better of it. Therapy works. Mm. But I make outbursts, and I just I feel like it would be so great if I could be the president of the United States because then I could have an outburst in front of a news agency that recorded it, 
and just trust that I could say whatever the fuck I want on my own channels for three or four days and they're just going to air it on Sunday anyways. Like he got to play so much damage control on this. It's, it's phenomenal. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm jealous of the fact that he got to have an outburst and storm out of an interview and then calm down and regret it and say, okay, I don't have to regret that. I can just spin out of this, which is just like, why don't we all get to do this? Mm. It's not fair. Because we don't live in an alternate reality. So I, let me just pull out a couple of quotes, then we can kind of get into it here. I know I have some quotes. You have some quotes you want to talk about. The couple of things he said just at the outset that struck me is, what what is he saying? He was talking about the economy prior to COVID. And he said, among other things, we had the, the best be- economy. We had the best economy. The best. And so she actually pushes him on that and says, well, no, you know that's not true. And he's like, no, no, we had the best. We had the best economy. We had the best stock market price. And that kind of stopped me in my tracks. I was like, what is that even? Like that, that's me not too. A thing. The phrase stop stock market price in quotes is four words that don't, don't mean sense. anything. Like <laughs> as a seventh grader learning about the stock market, I might have said, what's the stock market price? Right. Now, I he, he speaks on the fly a lot more than most presidents do. Sure. And I'm, I can give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he means like the Dow industrial average was the best it's been. But like, Aren't you tired of having to give the president the benefit of the doubt? Yes, I am. I am. A couple of things. So she asked him what his biggest domestic priority was. He said the economy. Which, you mean not the coronavirus? Exactly. Yeah. And you can't have an economy unless you deal with the coronavirus in the first place. It doesn't work. So uh, so that was interesting. Uh, she asked him what the the greatest enemy of the country was at this point, And he said China. He said, he said foe at times. He said, greatest enemy of the country, he, he, yeah, he said, or greatest enemy is China, are, are foe at times. Yeah. He said, shameful, they allowed the virus to leave, then list, and then he listed all the countries, that uh, get to 186 countries. It's like, you know, do you remember in 2012 when Romney and Obama were debating, and it was a big deal that in the debate, Romney said our greatest foreign enemy was Russia? Yeah. First of all, wow, how things have changed. <laughs> because Obama was like, maybe we shouldn't say that publicly while we're trying to negotiate with countries. Right. Now right. the president's like, no, we say that. That's how we, we start. That's what we do. Right? Yeah. That's the starting position. <laughs> yeah. That's that's one A. Uh, she asked him about the, the twin problems of a surging virus and unemployment cases or unemployment. Uh, she talked about cases. Wait, hold on. The virus cases being okay. Sure. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. She asked him about the twin problems of the surging virus and unemployment. His response, as he said many, many times, is that cases are up because we're doing so much testing. We're just so good at testing. Therefore, cases are down. <laughs> right. Like, wait, but let, let me follow this logic. He's saying it's not true. Cases are only up because of testing. So therefore, cases must be down, right? That's what he's alleging, yes. But then he goes on, but he goes on to say that we're taking care of the elderly in the Midwest as as it spreads, I'm assuming. And he, he in quotes, he said, the elderly, we're taking care of the elderly, like nobody's ever taking care of them. So we are taking care of our people. He also does that thing that idiots do on ESPN that don't know how to be broadcasters that just got taught the basics where it's like, I'm going to tell you what we're saying. Now I'm telling you what we're saying. Therefore, can't you see what I just said? <laughs> I don't expect that from the president. I expect it from like Marshall Falk when he went into like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I picked it up from the 90s, but you follow yeah, me. Honey. I follow. I follow. Um, 
Uh, he got pretty testy in this exchange, as you mentioned. In the the interview ended with him storming off the set when they were supposed to have additional questions, and they were actually supposed to do like a tour of the White House grounds and talk. Uh, one of the questions that kind of set him off was she asked him about suburban women, um, and that one really set him off. Uh, he said it was fake news, that it was a misleading misleading question. Uh, he said that he claims he was joking. Um, I, yeah, I know, right? No. Like, like, okay. So what they did was they played a clip before. I so I I actually have a question first. Did you feel like the cutaways that they did were unusual? I got to admit, I watched sixty minutes very sparingly. So I, do I when they interview a president, is it common for them to do voiceovers while they're in the room on while they have a shot in the room? Is it common of them to like do a cutaway to things that they're talking about and then come back to the interview? I don't think so, but I don't watch 60 Minutes enough to actually yeah. say that. But it was it, it was strange the way they would just sort of fact check him in the middle of, of the interview and cut away and say, okay, this is what actually happened, and then go back to the interview. Yeah, it's like they were clarifying his lies like mid-conversations. And, and that actually came up. We'll get back to that. But So in this case, while they were talking about suburban women and the question that really set him off, before before they asked her, excuse me, before she asked him the question, we saw the video of him saying, suburban women, please like me. Right. I saved your neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. But he said that, suburban women, please like me, quote. They yes. showed that. Yes. And then she asks him, you know, the question about suburban women. And he go, he got real set off. He said, he says, he says he didn't say that, right? And then he, and then in the interview live, he starts paraphrasing what he said when he said, suburban women, please like me. As if we're going to be like, because this is what works for him, right? Like he says something that's wrong and then there's a kernel in it that he could have said the right way if he was a good politician. And when people call him out on it, he says, what I said was, and then instead of saying what he said that was wrong, he says the thing that was the right way with the kernel of the right thing that was in it. And then the interviewer never stops and says, no, actually, this is what you said. I'm not going to let you tell me and put yourself on the record that you said something else that's not factual. And it worked here, too. I mean, they played it. He said he didn't say that. He said his paraphrases three or four times. I mean, at the end of the day, sure, we got to see that he said it. But the thought that you're left with is he's saying he said something else. And if you're on his team, it's okay. And if you're on the normal team that gets to see reality and just assess facts, it's it's frustrating. But it's almost like he lives in two different realities where like when he's at a rally, the stuff he says mm. are, it's almost like that's siloed by itself. And then when he's talking to somebody, uh, you know, in an interview, where it's like what happens in rallies, days in rallies. Right, yeah, exactly. Jesus. I mean, there's, there's multiple examples of that throughout this interview the whole locker up stuff that we get into later, yeah. but where yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, we know, there's video of you literally saying what you're saying. You didn't say, uh, but he's like, Oh, that's, I was just joking. Or I never said that. They said that the, the, the crowd said locker up. I didn't encourage it. I don't, I don't mimic that. Even though he did, he says, lock them all up. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he mumbles at the end. He goes, when you lock them all, lock them all up. Right. No. So they, they, st I mean, I don't know. Maybe he didn't say lock him up at that crowd, but they know his catchphrase is lock him up, lock right. her up. Right. So, yeah, in Michigan, they're chanting lock her up, and then he goes, no, lock them all up. Lock them all up. Which... It's certainly not denying anything. No. And, yeah. you know, she pushed him on the, the whole Governor Whitmer thing as far as 
you know, she pushed him on the fact that he seemed to be encouraging the type of behavior that ended up creating this group of, of people in Michigan who were trying to plot to kidnap the, the governor, which he's like, no, of course, I don't want that to happen. I didn't want that to happen. Then they play the whole lock them all yeah. up thing. It's like, well, no, you did say that. And you are winking in that direction. It's clear yeah. to yeah. anybody that's actually like paying attention to what you're saying. But again, he seems to think that what happens in Rallyland is completely separate from the rest of the world, apparently. I, I don't. Yeah. No, she she asked him in the interview, what about the governor of Michigan? Uh, but then we get a cutaway explaining the kidnapping plot. Right. We don't know what they actually talked about, right? Like, we, as far as we know, they just talked about what, you know, hey, there was a kidnapping plot. Like, as far as we know, nothing happened, but it does cut away to explain that. Uh, and then watched, he goes... I watched parts of the the stuff he released where he's saying this is the uncut interview. Did it just look the same? It pretty much, I didn't see anything of substance different. I mean, I think the stuff they cut out actually probably made him look better. I, that I, I saw, I, I didn't watch all this, of it. Though, but. The, the thing about Gretchen Whitmer actually pissed me off because he, he kept pointing out, he said, I'm helping her. My justice department is helping her and people aren't liking her so much. You got to right. get your governor to open up your state. That's what he said there. They channel lock her up. He says, lock them all up. Right. Um, yeah. But then he says he helped her. And repeated, our Justice Department is helping her. The, the thing that bothers me, though, is all the things that got displayed to us as an audience that we did, that, like, I know they didn't show him all those, like, refreshers. And with this president, if you don't remind him explicitly what he's previously said, he's going to de deny it. And I, I feel like that's a failure. Like, I feel like she should have said, like, you said word for word, suburban women, please like me. And then he wouldn't be able to say any of that other stuff. But like, who wants to fucking listen to an interview with that? Which is the whole point, right? Like the whole thing started off with her saying, you ready for some hard questions and him being in a fussy mood. Yes. So he goes, <laughs> oh, well, you don't ask Joe Biden hard questions. And then he's like, "You, I saw your interview with Biden. She's like, I didn't interview Biden. No, I saw your company's interview with Biden. It's like, okay, all right. I'm sorry, well, NBC. She, she says, she says are, you, are you ready for some tough questions? And he says, I, you're going to be fair. You're going to be fair. I know you're going to be fair. And she's like, okay, well, do you not want tough questions? And he says, no, not really. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> he actually says that. And oh she's like, well, God. last time I interviewed you, you were kind of like, bring it on. And he's like, no, I, I'm not in that mode right now. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what he yeah. said. Uh, I mean, we talk about, you have this note about the... Uh, He's talking about the scandals. Yeah, where he's he says Hunter Biden is the biggest scandal, and oh, like, oh yeah, wait, wait, goes, the second goes, wait, biggest, the second biggest scandal. Yeah, they spied on my campaign. No, they didn't, sir. They spied on my campaign, and they got caught. And at that point, she had to stop them and say, "Sir, this is sixty minutes. We can't put on things that we can't verify. They can't verify that. It's been verified." So he says, "It's been verified," and she goes, "She just goes, no." And he goes, just go down and get the papers. And she just goes, no. And he goes, and you will see that, Leslie. And you know that. And she just goes, no. no. Like really softly. Yes. It was just Trying really, to be like, as uncombative as possible. It didn't even feel uncombated. It almost felt like if she were him, she would be defeated. And she's trying to show him what a defeated right. look like. Like, come on. Just, just no. No. Like, you know that this is all no. Like, but he's someone living in the life of someone who has always been able to just lie and things always work out. And honestly, man, I think it will this time too. It doesn't feel like it. All the tea leaves are pointing towards Biden winning by a lot, but he's the one in control right now. 
Yeah, he also tried to, to push the Hunter Biden story. And again, yeah, let's get back that, to that. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll get back to that later. But I just no, wanna... but yeah, but we had yeah. There's more in the yeah. interview with that. Yeah. So she, he tried to press the Hunter Biden story, um, the corruption story, which again she said, you know, we can't verify that, so we can't put that on 60 Minutes. He then transitioned from that, which you already mentioned, talking about how he felt he was being treated unfairly. Uh, you know that the, the media just throws softball questions at Biden uh, while they treat him horribly, right? Yeah. One of the other questions she asked him was about the health care plan, which he's been saying, oh, it's going to be out in two weeks. It's going to be out in two weeks. He's been saying it for months. We haven't seen yeah. anything. He's, there's one week left. Right. So at the end, <laughs> he finally has a you know his little fit where he says, you start at me with, are you ready for hard questions? That's the way to talk. Uh, and he says, I think we're done here. That's enough for the interview. And he walks out, right? About a minute later, Kellyanne Conway walks in with this book the size of like four it like an unabridged, it, Yeah, it looked like together. the biggest unabridged dictionary you've ever seen. It's freaking huge. And she goes, oh, here you go. Here's our healthcare plan. And by the way, there was nothing there of substance. <laughs> she says, yeah. there's a bunch of stuff in here, but it's not a healthcare plan. Afterwards, they after they went through out, I don't know how many people it took to go through all those millions of pages. but um, So that was a fun little stunt to watch. Dude, yeah. I mean, so how... So, so when I first heard about that, I had saw that it was like a blank book. So that was obviously that was fake. all the memes that they that were out there. Was it, yeah. The, yeah. So it was filled with a bunch of his executive orders and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, but not a cohesive healthcare no, plan. Not at all. Ha- yeah. So they went to a print shop and said, "I need you to bind a book for me," and then they handed them a bunch of pages that don't constitute a book. And the print shop said, "We we can do this," and they said, "Yeah, we don't care what it is." Right. Right. right? I'm sure it was That's a PDF. That's weird, man. Okay. <laughs> or Did they just PDFs. like do it online and have it shipped to them? Like that's an official book that had to get made. Like you don't make that like overnight. Oh like, no, that, that was, was a lot there of... for a while, clearly. But that was that. effort put, Did was it a prop that was anticipated? I just don't get it. Like to have that and ready to deliver it. He must've just had a big book of his accomplishments and said, this will be the healthcare thing, right? <laughs> Maybe. Just had that or book they sitting planned. on his desk just for- you know, or they planned this like that's crazy, man. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was it was interesting to watch. Yeah. So from well, yeah, then they talked to three other people. Uh, who were they? Well, P- Pence came on after. Oh man, that was so funny when Pence came on. <laughs> he came on there looking like a branch manager covering for a bad assistant. <laughs> he really did. He always seems oh. so earnest when he's talking. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, he was a right wing radio DJ, so I mean, yeah, he knows how to play that character, right. you know. I mean, he lives that character. I I had a a note that said he kind of looked like he was explaining to a kid that their dog just died. When yeah. He went into that interview just the way. Look, remember earlier when I said I'm known for having outbursts? Yeah. When I've had managers cover for me, wherever I've had to sit in that interview and have to, or sit in that um in that room and have them tell the other person how good of a manager I am, despite the mistakes I made in that moment. Right. This is what they sounded like. They're like, look, Dustin's a very passionate individual and the things that are important to him. He's very passionate about. And, you know, he's known to, uh, really give his all when those moments come up. So, you know, we apologize. It may have been, uh, more than what you were prepared for on these airwaves, but you know, that's the type of dedication you can expect from a leader like him. Isn't that not what he said? Yeah. That was definitely his tone. Yeah, Trump's just very passionate, you know? And and Pence is a great manager. He's the backup quarterback. He's like, just go in there and don't lose the game. Like, that's all the Republicans are thinking. And he he did that. 
and in that interview, right? Yeah. No, he kind of pulled it back together, sort of. She um, hit him with that I, super hard hitting question about Thanksgiving, which you know. Uh, what was the question? Uh, what was Thanksgiving going to look like in the Pence household this year if they were going to, you know, what what would he recommend to Americans to do? Uh, he's like, oh, it's my favorite holiday. She's like, mine too. And then, yeah, he's like, well, I think you Americans to cough should on just, all your relatives. Americans just have to make their own decision based on their risk profiles. Okay, Pence. Sure. Well, yeah. I'm, I don't know how that makes me feel that the vice president said what I've been saying for months, but okay. Well, yeah, I was just saying <laughs> it was not a hard-hitting question at all, but, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I had one last analogy for what he sounded like, but I'm not sure if it's appropriate. Should I do it anyways? <laughs> do it. <laughs> he sounded like a youth group pastor that probably hasn't sexually assaulted anyone. Probably. Pro- probably, prob- not. probably not. But everyone at the church is like, mm. oh, still no complaints? <laughs> I mean, he sure knows Matthew, the really book, well. not the boy. Right. Uh, all right. Anything else on the no. 60 Minutes interview? Oh. No, but I do have a note that you're going to ask me Dustin's questions because I have too many to not sprinkle them in throughout the show. Sprinkle. Alan, why don't you sprinkle it? Uh, why don't you pick a number between one and 12? Okay. I'm going to go with seven. Seven? Yeah. It's lucky. Let's see. Um, seven. <laughs> oh, okay. Guess who directed the Robin Williams classic movie, Jack? Oh, shit. Uh I don't know. Steven Spielberg, no. Clearly it's not that. I don't know. I, I'm double checking because, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Francis Ford Coppola. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. It's right up there with what? Godfather, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. It's okay. a good movie, and it just came across my radar that he directed that. Uh, are we talking about going into halftime now? Yeah, dude. I realize right. we've been doing this long. Yeah, we need to take a break. I will see you on the B-side. On the B-side, sir. All right. This is the B-side of our platter, sports fans. And I'm singing just for you, covered in sequins. <laughs> in the canyons of your mind Stick around here for a little bit, as long as you're gone. My phone here. Fire up. Pornhub. That's stimulating. That's that's quite a pleasurable sensation. Do that about three or four hundred more times. See if I can do this before Alan gets back. Why does it look like you're jerking off? <laughs> what the fuck? Hold on. I left my brain. I thought you were getting a drink. <laughs> I just thought I had time for a quick zoom and tube and while you were gone. You know, self-care. I was just referencing the news story of the week about Gary... Jeffrey... Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey Tubin. Oh, hold on. Did my whole elaborate prank that I've been planning all week not connect with you? I don't think so. If I say the name Jeffrey Tubin to you, does that mean anything? No. Jeffrey Tubin was a is is this is important. He is a media correspondent. Uh, I think right now for like MSNBC, CNN, CNN. Let's go CNN. Okay. Um, most famous, like made his name 
most people knew know him for uh, being a reporter during the O.J. Simpson trial. And then one of the mini series or movies that came out recently was off of like his his he either wrote the screenplay or he wrote a book that they turned into those mini series. Okay. On OJ. Yeah. But what he's always going to be famous for from now on is during this last week, CNN, MSNBC, one of those channels, they were doing a Zoom practice debate, I think, on the um, Amy Barrett hearing. (laughs) And during a break, he tilted his laptop down, thought that he had muted the video, took his phone out and started masturbating. (laughs) That's hilarious. How did I miss this story? I don't know. (laughs) That's hilarious. I've I've been waiting all show. That's a good job. Good job. Thanks. I'm going to go get my beer because I didn't do that. Okay. I I just got a, a message from my dad, which will be in next segment. I bet I know what it is. What? What's going on with your co-host on Twitter? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, don't worry. I am looking forward to applying the conspiracy theory drop. All right. Around around that tweet. Should we? Are we going to talk about Mitch McConnell's hands? I. Uh, it feels kind of mean spirited. I don't know. Yeah, I've like it's been a couple weeks now too, even of me like feeling like maybe I guess it's been two shows. It's probably been about one week of just not feeling like it's like I mean they look like gangrenous and that's concerning. Yeah, Um, I've heard people saying it's it's probably some just basic kind of skin condition thing, but really, yeah, it looks like bruising. It does look bad. It looks bad. Yeah. Um, I mean. It's tempting to be mean spirited about it because he's such a horrible person, but I'd rather just stick That's to not. the yeah, I'd rather stick to the things that he does that are terrible that we can critique him over. Yes. Also, it's kind of one of those things where it's like I really hope I don't get that mysterious skin condition, so yeah. like I'll just not yeah, tempt the fates there. Definitely. I I have I have something on the like sort of to balance the that on the other side. Do you remember yeah. who Olivia Troy is? No. She was the senior national security advisor to Pence, who was managing the coronavirus task force that. I don't remember that. Oh, she yeah. Kind of def- she defected, yeah. basically, uh-huh. and endorsed Biden. Yeah. So she's kind of a regular pundit now on a lot of like your MSNBCs. And I think it's funny how that works, right? Right. It's a good career move of her, you mean? Yeah, maybe. Um, there is a physical feature about her that I have noticed for a while. That's kind of I feel bad even bringing it up because it's like something you can't control. Like you shouldn't. Like I'm I'm not making fun of her when I say this. Okay. One of her eyes is bigger than the other one. I'm just saying oh. it's it's a thing. Hmm. I, I, I have that. Um. One of my eyelids is like. No, it's like lazy. significantly. Oh, really? Okay. Like you, I, I, I watch her There's on TV. There's probably pressure behind like, her. There's probably pressure in her skull uh, behind that, like on that hemisphere that's pushing the eye out a little. I, I'm actually oh. worried now. We can cut We can cut all that out if it's if No it's way. Fine. I want to include that. <laughs> okay. No. Plus, I sounded smart. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll cut right. this part out, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Have we really not talked about the Biden laptop story yet? We're about to. I know. I'm looking at it on the sheet, and I'm like, fuck, I feel, it feels like I've talked about this a lot already. Not not on this episode. Okay. Yeah. No, I, yeah, just, just. So you had an I, interesting tweet today. In fact, while we were, while we were uh, at halftime, I got a message from my dad on Instagram. Here, I don't know if you, can you, 
You can't like read that, can you? Uh, no, because I'm looking at the show sheet. Hold on. Oh, yeah, I can read that. Uh, what is Dustin smoking? You see the tweets. You see the tweet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us about no, the No, that tweet. was midday. That's midday. Yeah. I wasn't high. Okay. So yeah. tell us about was, the tweet. Uh, why don't you read it? Because I don't know. What did I say? No, it'd be better if I read it, huh? Yeah. Let's see. Um, I said, I don't think this is that alarming, honestly. I said, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Actually, you know what? I think this will do a lot better with the question you asked me before we started the show in regards to the Hunter, Hunter Biden laptop. So you had asked me what? Like, where did Regarding... the story go? I asked what happened to the Hunter Biden laptop story. Like, it's sort of, at least in my media silo, it sort of seems to have gone away. Yeah, and I'm just, like, amazed by that. So, you know, that question bears really well with your dad's question because, to <laughs> me, the Hunter Biden story hasn't gone away at all. It's just become more interesting. Um, and it's only interesting to me in the terms of, like, trying to understand probability based on people's actions and, like, infer what their other understanding is. So, like, so, for example... When the Borat thing came out with uh, Rudy Giuliani either tucking in his shirt or playing with himself, you're like, well, once that gets released, if there's supposedly all this other stuff on that laptop, you'd think that they would counter with that, and then that didn't happen. So it's like, what are you doing, you know? And I, <clears throat> I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I work, you know, I, I work in a field that allows me to listen to ten or thirteen hours of podcasting a day. Nice. And yeah, so it's a lot of news and I purposefully try to listen to some more provocative news sources and I just listen to them with a grain of salt. And for since this story broke, they've been talking about one of the hosts on one of the shows. There's two hosts, kind of like what we do. And one of them has said that he's seen the alleged videos that were on the laptop and that they're just disturbing and that they involve the person that owns the laptop and that person's. I think niece um, and the way it was phrased when it was reported is that they were in a horizontal position. I'm sure if it was something sexual, they would have said that. Um, and I don't want to say that I think that's true. Um, but when you say what happened to the Hunter Biden story, I'm like in the last week, I feel like I've heard all the allegations, not anything hard, um, no hard facts, but yeah, there's just, I I've seen nothing but dribs and drips and drabs of, of salacious things surrounding this. So about midday, a friend of mine said something kind of halfway along the lines of what I tweeted. And I put that together with my other sort of conspiratorial thinking about the president. Atlanta didn't ever burn. Atlanta was a false flag operation. And Abraham Lincoln was a crisis actor. Made a tweet that says, Trump is slowly leaking the Hunter laptop scandal now, anticipating the Supreme Court deciding election results. November 3rd, he'll, on the day of the election, he'll dump all the alleged incriminating emails, business dealings, and alleged kitty porn while simultaneously confiscating ballot boxes in key states, forcing the decision into the court. So you think that sounds crazy? I do. I do think okay. that sounds crazy. Also, I think that... You think, think the I president that is down 11%, something like that, nationally, and... Even uh, Silver at 538 says that, you know, there's a couple of toss-up states and that that's pretty much it, but this is almost guaranteed to be, like, this is 
should be Biden's election. So at that point, the person who is in charge of the government, who has the ability to confiscate the ballot boxes, I've already said that. I don't, I mean, maybe you're mishearing me. I'm not saying I think this will happen, but I think if this president is losing come election day, confiscating the ballot boxes is totally on the table. And three states in Florida, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. I mean, if, if they have incriminating evidence, why why wait to drop it? 60-something right. million people have Be- already I got voted. It. Yeah. Because they already voted. They knew it was too late at that point anyway. So they knew that they could only affect the people that vote on the day of the election. He'll cancel the counting of all um, mail-in votes at that point or, or non-in-person voting at that point, and it'll have to be those counts. Okay. I mean, I don't think so I, I have, don't know if that's I don't know if that's a good move, but I think that if he's the one, don't forget the Republicans have the war room. They came up with that war room to look at, um, um, like advanced demographics years ago. It's how they came up with all their ideas of of uh, gerrymandering and redistricting. So they they they've got the saber metrics or whatever the baseball word is mm-hmm. to to overthink how the election's spinning day of, and if if they think it's time to pull the trigger, I. I, I'm not saying I think it's like greater than a 10% or 20% chance, but a 10% chance is in, is, is like alarmingly high for what we're talking about here, you know? Right. I think, didn't 538 say like something like 88% chance of, of Trump of Biden losing? Winning. Yeah. Yeah. Biden yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have a couple of stories that kind of tail, that go into this subject a little bit more. Um, so this story dropped uh, five days ago. So uh, what, that would be Thursday last week. And this is separate from the laptop, but a sort of ongoing... But equal. Yeah, ongoing theme. So text messages between the CEO of a... CEO of Jim and... So Jim and Hunter Biden had a joint venture with a Chinese energy firm. um, And they... uh, Some text messages leaked last week. Uh, allegedly between the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings. Oh, yeah. Okay, which, yeah, I remember this. Which was the partnership between CEFC uh, Chairman Yi and the two Biden family members, CEFC being the Chinese energy company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were messages between Hunter Biden and Tony Bobolinsky, Bobl- who was a retired lieutenant in the U.S. Navy and had been the CEO of that company. If you remember in the debate when trump said uh i think you're the big guy do you remember that when he said no you reminded me of this while we were texting over the weekend yeah so i had not no explain that so i didn't know what that meant uh when he said it what it actually refers to is these text messages between hunter biden and this tony bobolinsky who was the ceo of their company um total fake name (laughs) so some of the text messages and one of the, the text messages that's sort of most incriminating is where it seems that they are, well, first of all, that Trump, or I'm sorry, that Joe Biden is meeting with uh, officials for this company, including um, Chairman Yi, right? Um, and that he is getting a kickback from this company. So a proposed equity split references 20 for H and 10 held by H for the big guy, which apparently is in reference to... Joe Biden. And in the debate, they said something about 30, or maybe it was in 
reporting on the laptop. It was something about 30 total and money for the big guy. And that's that's the connection there. Yes. Huh? Yes. So before that was in the news, Trump was referencing it in the debate right. as if he was aware of that. Yes. So their campaign was the one that was shopping it around. And that was already known, right? Yeah, but there was a really interesting article that came out in the Times. Does it make the news <clears throat> different that they're shopping it around as opposed to this laptop repairman doing it? I think the, the fact that Giuliani is doing it makes yeah. it different. We'll come back to him, right? Yeah. All right, so this article dropped October 25th in the New York Times. It's called, Trump had one last story to, tell, to sell. The Wall Street Journal wouldn't buy it. Huh. So apparently <clears throat> in early October... Uh, some of Trump's re-election campaign um, or people had decided that it was looking pretty bad for the president and that they needed kind of a, a Hail Mary if they were going to pull off this election. So they met with Michael Bender, who is a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal is a, is a really respected news source, even I think across kind of party lines. Both. Yeah, I used to think that I was really balanced because I'd listen to or read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Right. I've since realized that they're both pretty mainstream, but you know. Yeah. So three. You can think of the Wall Street Journal as being slightly more conservative, right? Yeah, I mean, it's owned by the you know it's it's owned by Murdoch. It's just like the Post is and Fox News is, but it, it does have a sort of a better reputation, right? Actually, I wanted to say this: when the when Murdoch when the Murdoch family bought the Post, it changed into a tabloid. But when I'm sure when they bought the, the Wall Street Journal, they had to maintain that customer base, so they didn't change anything really there. That's fair. That's fair. So they gave Michael Bender of the Wall Street Journal all of this stuff. So the emails from the laptop, the text messages. They had apparently they had Tony Bobolinsky on speakerphone um, explaining to him what what part he played um, in this, and they had the text messages. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, that's a pretty big presentation. Yeah. So they felt pretty strongly that this was going to be a, a big win for them politically and that this is going to be a huge story. So what happened was sort of the Trump administration pushing the Wall Street, that the Wall Street Journal was going to be dropping this piece, kind of upset the people at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the There's a quote. The editors did... Say, say that again? So... People in the Trump administration were sort of hinting that, hey, this big news story is going to be coming. It's going to be dropping in the Wall Street Journal. It's going to be a big deal, right? And the people with the Wall Street Journal didn't like that. I have a quote. The editors didn't like Trump's insinuation that we were being teed up to do this hit job. Hmm. <clears throat> so what ended up happening was they kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the Wall Street Journal to publish this piece that they expected to come out. And... Guess who kind of fucked it up? Rudy or Trump? Rudy Giuliani. Really? <laughs> okay, go on. So Rudy Giuliani, instead of being patient and allowing the Wall Street Journal to kind of go about it their own oh, way. Oh, and fact check it and do, yeah, yeah. He dumped all the stuff on the post, right? And no the, way. That's, dude, wow. Yeah. And then Bubblinski That's so out. funny. I have a story that ends with Trump going, that's Rudy. <laughs> and then I wonder if he said that then. Bubalinski came out with his own sort of statement that he sent to all the news outlets, um, which was all over the place on you know Fox News and, and conservative media. Um, so the Wall Street Journal ultimately didn't posted a very small story about this, and basically what they said was, "Look, there might be something here that Hunter Biden did that was 
untoward, but there's nothing that we can actually tie to Joe Biden as far as financial records or records of him actually meeting with any of these people. So we're not going to we're not going to publish this. Like so therefore like yeah, here's a story about an individual doing something bad. Right, well. But not tied to Biden, not tied to Joe Biden at all. I don't know. That seems stupid. I mean, if it was one of Trump's children, we'd care. Right? I suppose. Yeah. I, I mean, mean so I can they... you can you say that the Hunter Biden's sort of the I don't know, black sheep of the family? He's definitely well, has sure. some fuck-ups. Yeah, he's so the how much Eric do you Trump. how much how much do you attribute his fuck-ups to his father? I I don't know. Oh, 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 almost <laughs> zero because he's an individual and it's not his father's fault for the mistakes that he's made. I mean, that's like that I mean, there's a clear line between any of that. In fact, I mean, I mean, let's get into this more, but like, just as a question, I mean, do can I just before you do that? Yeah. So this is from the Wall Street Journal. So as the debate ended, so they they thought this was going to be out before the debate happened, right? Which is why I think Trump kind of had that in his back pocket. As the debate ended, the Wall Street Journal published a brief item, just the stub of Mr. Reddy and Mr. Duran's reporting. The core of it was that Mr. Bubulinski had failed to prove the central claim. Corporate records view, reviewed by the Wall Street Journal show no role for Joe Biden, the journal reported. End yeah. of story. Right, right, right. Because again, because without that, you're basically saying, hey, check this out. One of the president's sons has, they kept saying he smoked crack. I think he was doing meth. That looked more like what I've seen of people that are doing methamphetamine use. But also like who does crack anymore it seems like just more likely that in 2014 this individual was doing crack or meth rather but whatever well so what we're left with though is the president one of the president's sons has a drug addiction okay like like let's just take all of these as bad as they are he has made some really bad business dealings and i can get into that more and even if you take the most salacious stuff in this. I don't know. Like, do you care about those things in the context of this election in no. terms of which candidate is a better candidate? No. Me either. Me either. Yeah. I just want to point out the tech story. So the, the whole Tony Bubulinski stuff that happened in 2017. So, oh, really? So was Biden was out of office. He was a private citizen. Yes. So even then, if that was if like that the, did happen, the, the facts of that story took place while he was a private citizen. Yes. Well, who cares then? <laughs> you should be able to get that money then. Fuck no. Like I don't care. Wow. Yeah. Oh no, he should be able to say, "I want ten fucking million, and if those idiots want to give you thirty, <laughs> I want ten because is... you wouldn't be there if it weren't for me." May of twenty seventeen. <laughs> like okay, wait, hold on. Let's remove his son from it, right? Yeah. Could they have paid Biden for the same thing, and would he have done anything wrong? No, I don't, I don't I, think. Or, not like, in my opinion. Or, or could he have navigated it more smoothly so that he wouldn't have done anything <laughs> sure. wrong because he wasn't a meth smoking son of his? Right. Yeah. So if that was the case, I I probably wouldn't care either. He, as a private citizen, got paid by an organization to prop him up and show the rest of the country that Westerners back them and that. Because the idea with Burisma is, and I know that's not what's happening in China, right? Right. Do you want to talk about Burisma? Yes, let's. All right. So, wait, hold on. Fuck. Are we going to come back to Rudy or no? 
I mean, we'll talk about him in well, Borat. We, yeah. I, so in relation to that, Alan, remember last year when the U.S. intelligence warned the White House that Giuliani was being targeted by Russian intelligence influence operation, but we didn't know what yet? I most do you certainly that? do, yes. Yeah. Guess how they found, guess how they found out about that intelligence operation that he was involved in. How? U.S. intelligence found out about that not because they were spying on Rudy, like the president says, mm-hmm. but because they were spying on the Russian intelligence operatives that were offering Rudy the dirt that he was seeking while he was in right. Ukraine. Right. Okay. Yes. While the president was being impeached, he was doing that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> After right. the events of his impeachment he hired Rudy to go over there and get this dirt. And while Rudy's getting the dirt, our intelligence company agencies are like, Hey, um, Rudy Giuliani's talking to one of the spies we're following. Can you like maybe look into that? <laughs> so that's why we know about that. Right. Intelligence was worried at the time that the president's lawyer was being used to feed Russian inf- misinformation to the president directly. Right. Right. So because they were worried about our national security as if this white house would care. Right. So, <laughs> Whatever Rudy brought back most likely was fake emails sprinkled in amongst real emails, which sounds like this, right? Like it sounds like this information. In the French election, something like this happened where a document or, or emails were turned over and when they uh, did a forensic analysis on it, they could see that there were real emails sprinkled in amongst a bunch of fake emails. This is the Macron election, right? Macron. Yeah. Macron, yeah. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, so, I mean... Th- there's a really good chance that's what's happening right here. And we won't know until this is all analyzed. Seems like an option. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we don't know yet. But like you did say, our intelligence company, I got to keep saying that, our intelligence organizations, agencies, our intelligence agencies said that there's nothing here. And actually, didn't the uh, Republican, a Republican-led Senate investigated Hunter and Joe Biden for a year and, and this and and nothing came up. And yeah. this comes up a week before the election in October. Come on. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so so yeah. With I, with all of that, like when they were telling the White House about all of that, apparently when Trump was told that, Trump just said, "That's Rudy." <laughs> like with all of that in mind, doesn't like this is like to what you were saying. Like, doesn't it just feel like Trump was hoping he'd have something better than this come out at this time, and instead he's like, just "This, fine, just let this go." Oh, I think he. I think he and members of his team thought this was the thing. This was the story that was going to change everything the way the Hillary emails did in 2016. Okay, but the thing is, time will tell whether what we're believing is true now is true. So what we believe is true now is that the laptop thing is fake and it was a plant. And that all of the things that seem likely to people that want to believe this story are things that were put there to tempt those people into believing it is that kind of where we're at right now i think it's possible that there are elements to the laptop story that are true but even those that may be true don't directly impact joe biden in a negative way and would that explain the lack of denial because there are truths in it and they don't know where to go yeah with what with their statement okay all right um so in regards to burisma uh i think at some point I had asked you like if you could really see a problem with or what what did I say? You said before the laptop story came out, what was really bad about Hunter being on the Barisma board? Yeah. So and I said I mean it looks bad, but as far as actual legally it being an issue, uh, I I didn't see any there there. So 
there was a there's let's just say politics in Ukraine have had a lot of turmoil, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. So, under a revolution, much of the energy sector sector was given, like contracts and property were given to Burisma. Okay. And like this is just the worst layman's explanation of what happened. So, Burisma as a company was uh, tight with the current prime minister, president, whatever. And then he was ousted and it, the writing was all over the walls that the things that they were given really illegally, because it was taken from people that had them before, okay. uh, were going to be taken back from them and given to their rightful owners. So in order to mitigate that, Burisma hired a bunch of Westerners to sit on their board oh. and, and give all of the banks that would come and collect on them Legitimacy. a reason. Yeah, well, so... Uh, it would give the appearance of American protection so that other banks and countries don't try to seize their assets, right? Okay. And this is all happening. This, so so at, at that time, one of the people they hired was Hunter Biden, and they gave him, I don't know, name a number. It doesn't matter. Doesn't they gave matter. him a lot large of thousands of dollars right, right. to sit on their board for that that appearance of Western protection. Wow. So, so, so I'll ask you, is, is there something wrong with taking money from an organization who's clearly corrupt and in 13 or 14 criminal cases that year? I mean, yeah, I think that's a huge problem, but I also can look at that person and imagine being their dad and being like, I've been in politics longer than your life. And, and you just make it so hard for me to just do my job. And I'm at the, the cusp of being president against like what should be like a clear cut, like this is someone who's unfit for office. Like you, anyone should be able to beat him. And I can't because my son might have had a laptop that, that he flew to Delaware to come see me and dropped his laptop off and then flew back to California and forgot about it. <laughs> well, so to, I think there's a blind laptop tech, by the way, there's a difference between immoral and illegal and so if, if you want to say that Biden sitting on that board was immoral, then yes, I agree with you. If you want to say it's illegal, at least under Right, but US that's why law, it comes into political or into sure, politics, where sure. it's like, do you want to elect a president whose son did something immoral? I don't know, man. Like, I'm looking at the rest of these guys and thinking, sure, compared to the other president's sons. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it sounds like it was just Hunter being susceptible of the same things that we worry about with the Trump family, right? nepotism yeah outside actors and and because of nepotism one of the problems is the outside actors um behaving outside of normal channels is bound to have issues like this or like trump's quid pro quo call with ukraine yes or michael flynn asking the russian ambassador to get russia to vote against the resolution condemning israeli settlements <laughs> at the behest of jared kushner though Sure. Or making billions of dollars in an arms deal to a country that just chopped the head off of a journalist. Yeah, Jamal Khashoggi. So these are the decisions we have to make. Like, are you okay with a son of a president doing drugs and having deals with another country? Or do you like a president who makes deals with Saudi Arabia after they chopped a journalist into pieces and put him into suitcases? <clears throat> I mean, scandals are scandals. I guess that's one-to-one -one right there. I don't feel like that's one to one exactly. No. You don't? No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Alan, did I tell you his son made money while they were showing the rest of the world that you can't take the money from that company? That's pretty immoral. 
That's yeah. really, I think that taking money from a company while you project an image to the West that other banks can't seize that company's assets is right up there with chopping a journalist into pieces and stuffing their body into multiple suitcases. Oh, totally. Yeah, it seems. I think it's, I mean, yeah. Same thing. I don't know who I, you know what? The problem is, I already voted. <laughs> if this only came out in June. <laughs> I got you on that one, didn't I? <laughs> you did. You I'm did. sorry. Okay, good. All right. oh, I'm. Um, that's it for me. That is okay. everything I had prepared. So I'll just relax now and start smoking weed. I hope this doesn't get silly. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot. Okay. Thank you. But did that work? That like, works. It, that totally works. Okay. Cool. Absolutely. Okay. So we'll move on to some other stories. Um, yeah. So over the weekend, I believe, Alexandria O'Connor, you know, it's easier just to say AOC. I think AOC. That's why, that's why everybody sure. says AOC. Yeah. Uh, she was on Twitch, which is cool. Like, I, I like Twitch. That's 10 syllables. It's a lot. It's a lot of syllables. Yeah. I, during lockdown, was on Twitch like all the time, not not mm. broadcasting, but watching. I spent a lot of time on Twitch. Um, so she played a game that's kind of blown up on Twitch recently called Among Us, which is kind of a fun co-op game. Have you heard Is that of this? that game with like the weird spacesuits with the yeah. one eye, like the cycloptic? Yeah, you probably and you've got to figure out who the suspect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that where sus has been coming up in in yes, pop culture? Okay, definitely. Yeah. Um, so she got around three to four hundred thousand viewers on average. I think it peaked around four hundred thousand viewers. So that's pretty cool. Um, I I like Twitch and I like that it's getting some play in places where it normally wouldn't. So that was kind of cool. In fact, so. We may um, end up having some of my Twitch buddies on here at some point if I can oh, figure sweet. out. If I, can, I, you know what, I I totally can do it. I just haven't figured out like good questions. No, like oh. no, good questions. Yeah. Like I don't know how they fit into. I will just bring them on. I mean, you know, we're all normal people. We like many of the same things, probably. Yeah. Okay. We'll just figure out. We'll figure out what it is that we like that's similar and talk about it. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I like that. Every time you said Twitch, I was thinking Switch, and I was like, so she was on Nintendo. No, so people that yeah, don't, for people that I don't know, it. I should explain. Yeah. So Twitch is a platform on which people play video games and broadcast it to an audience. So people can watch. There's a whole uh, like a chat room where you can comment, um, post emojis, all that kind of stuff. And so she did a co-op play with a number of like really famous Twitch streamers. Um, so that they they streamed it as well, and they're talking to each other on mics as they're playing. So yeah. Cool. Does she play with like her feet? No, no. <laughs> oh, don't girls on Twitch normally like do things with their feet? There is definitely a subsection of Twitch that is girls generally like hot with girls their feet. with various things. Feet's one of them. Uh, there's this whole ASMR stuff. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, but there's definitely. I can get behind ASMR. I can't get behind feet. No offense, feet listeners. I just. <laughs> I, trust me, I have my kinks. There's definitely a subset of t the Twitch community that's sort of hot girls just capitalizing on their hotness. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. good for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. All right, you have a note here. I don't know if you want to get into this right now because I have no idea what this is about. But uh, It's probably something I can do really quick. Okay. Let me just do it. Um, yeah, because I think it's something like you had said. I, I kind of want to get this into the show, and if it comes back up later, we can talk about it more. But... Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State under Donald Trump, is now under investigation by the U.S. Office of Special Counsel for a possible violation of the Hatch Act. He is under investigation because he promised to release Hillary Clinton's emails 
yes, those emails, but her emails of four years ago email fame before election day this year. Um, Alan, you might be wondering why. Yeah, why? I, why does Trump still think he's running against Hillary Clinton? Well, well, do you... I know, right? So are you familiar with this story? No. So why? 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 Just why? why? I don't understand. He's a man. They're both men. You can't be. You can't be Jewish. No. This is a man. What? Don't you understand? They're gay. They own the drag club downstairs. They're two men. Why? Do you want to know why? I want to know why desperately. Because Trump publicly scolded him about releasing them. I think he was asked about them, and he said, we're not going to release the emails. Like, it's just this is an old thing. And then Trump was like, oh, apparently Mike Pompeo is not going to release the emails. So then he released the emails, and now he's going to be under investigation for violation of the Hatch Act because his boss got mad at him. Just a side note, and this is sort of a rumors that are out there that I've picked up, I don't know where, that Trump is considering firing A.G. Barr and the current head of the FBI after the election because he's upset that they haven't done more to investigate this whole Biden BS. Have you heard I this? Just, I just, no, I just did the Biden blink. Can you imagine A.G. Barr, who has been the most loyal lapdog A.G. ever, right, to this administration? Alan, have you ever had a job where you started kind of saying, man, I hope this motherfucker fires me because then I can fill out <laughs> unemployment immediately? Definitely. I think that might be happening here. AG Barr's just like, oh, I wish a motherfucker would. <laughs> I could sit back at home in obscurity. Can you imagine? That's No. That, I mean, no, I can't, but it's, I mean. I mean, it's not, not that's not yeah. like verified or anything. That's just, it's it's out there as a People you know what? I can't it. imagine it because nothing's off the table. Oh, by the way, last I saw, the Dodgers were up 3-1. Cool. I, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Did I just kill that subject by saying that? Sorry. No, not at all. It was already over. All right. All right. Uh, all right so we have to talk about the, the other thing that's the uh, elephant in the room. which Coronavirus? Apparently not the number one domestic issue, according to Trump. It's real. Coronavirus. So it's beginning to surge again. I have. Let me pull this up real quick. I like it when so, you say surge. We, <laughs> we are at. We had seventy over seventy four thousand cases today. Uh, the fourteen day average is up forty percent. So last two weeks versus the two weeks prior, number of cases up forty percent. The deaths are starting to climb again. We know that's a lagging indicator, but it's up fifteen percent over the last fourteen days. It's, it's right. five hundred and thirty-eight. That's it seems like a small number. Obviously, those people it's, are real and have families, and we don't want it. The number of electoral college votes there are. It's it's five hundred and thirty-eight more Americans dead. Right. It's nothing to. Yeah. No. Um, nothing to take lightly. Right. So so that's what's going on. We have the <laughs> so. Five of Mike Pence's aides-slash-advisors have tested positive now. Uh, meanwhile, Pence continues on the campaign trail despite that. Uh, we have Ireland going back on lockdown internationally because of, of their surging cases. Surge. In the U.S., it's primarily, again, it's, it's a lot of these Midwestern states that are, that are now surging, places like North Surge. and South Dakota, Wisconsin, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, all these areas are are continuing to get worse and worse. So that's that's kind of where we are as far as with the with the coronavirus. I am happy to report. I talked to uh, 
the guy I talked about last week who who's in charge of that school, and he said they had a great first week and everything is fine. So I, obviously, I, I <laughs> that's what we all want, right? Is that we figure out a way to open up safely, and that we manage this, and that we um, prevent as much loss of life as possible. So that's that's where we are you had a thing about pcr tests i don't yeah um before we get into that because i've been wanting so i we talked about pcr tests uh really quickly like six shows ago just saying that there's something about the cycle threshold or the cycle rate and how many times they cycle the testing uh or the analysis of it um and like each cycle is an amplification Right. So they were saying that like the number was set too high. So if you magnify it too high, you'll see too many things. But actually, can I come back to that? Yeah, of course. Um, I was just so every day I get a text from the county, and every day the numbers in San Diego, which is incredibly local, are really getting better. So they don't mesh with what I'm hearing on the news and like things I hear anecdotally when I like when I was at my mom's. She was saying. Uh, they went to Ruth's Chris and the restaurant manager was saying that they don't think they're going to stay open because they think we're going to fall into the purple tier, which I think is bad because it's darker than red. And I think we want to get to orange because it's better than red. But in the world I live in, red's better than orange because orange is Texas and Texas sucks. So it's just really confusing <laughs> horns down. in my head. Yeah, horns down, right. Mm-hmm. right. So this is the first paragraph of the, um, the, of the fucking what? The text article. message you got from... Well, the text message just opens you up to a link. So okay, here's okay. the first you. paragraph of the article that that opens up to. Um, it says, two of the... The way this is worded, I'm a little high. Let's see if you get this on first try. <laughs> okay. Two of the three metrics used by the state to determine tier placement for COVID-19 risk declined in the San Diego region, placing the county further from falling into the purple tier, or tier one, the most restrictive on activities. So was that a good sentence or a bad sentence? Good. It was a good sentence, and they used every negative phrasing that they could have, right? It is oddly worded. They had to use a double negative to to get get there. Yeah. Why? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) How many syllables was that? Three. Yeah. Why? Okay. (laughs) Um, Let's scroll down because that's where it actually starts to matter. Uh, community, uh, community setting outbreaks. Two new community setting outbreaks yesterday at a daycare and a business. In the last seven days, this is the important one, or one of the important ones, 24 community outbreaks were confirmed. The number of 24 is above the trigger point of seven in seven days. Um, and 3% of tests are coming back positive. The 14-day rolling average percentage of positive cases is 2.7. That's lower than the target of 8 by a lot. And that number is lower than it's been. It's been 2.8, so it's dropped. I just saw it for the first time. I just registered it dropped. The 7-day average of tests okay. is 11,000. 11, um, and then they tell you if you... okay. Um, 269 new cases confirmed. That's the first time it's been below 300 in a long time. Um, The region is now at 55,000 total, like since March. 3,800 or 7% of all cases have required hospitalization. And 800, 900, 898, 900 or 1.6% of all cases and 23.2% of hospitalized cases had to be admitted to an intensive care unit. 
So of all cases, 1.6 were intensive care. Um, the only thing that's alarming about that to me is 898 people were put in intensive care. 877 have died. Now, some people probably died without being wow. in intensive care, right? So it's not like, but... Right. Not like, dude, oh, you don't want to be in intensive yeah, okay. care but with still, this virus. That's, Fuck. That's, you that's over by then, right? Like often. We got to bring... We, uh, I got to bring an RN on. There's a family friend I got to bring on. She... She retired in this pandemic because it was, you know, she got sick. Well, she got sick and she'd been putting up with it. And she was just like, you know what? I'm at the time to retire anyway, so I will. But she can't talk about this without crying. And I can't listen to her talk about it without crying. So we'll bring Bev on. Yeah. Um, Five men and two women died. Their ages ranged from early 60s to mid 80s, all had underlying medical conditions. I'm not being flippant here. I haven't seen an update of this since I've subscribed that didn't say they all had underlying medical conditions. Just saying that. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of elderly. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But, but Trump says we're, we're taking care of them. That's, That's true. The best That's that true. Look, man, I'm not trying to paint the picture of the virus. Like it's not a thing. I'm just saying that it is a thing. We should do the things that we're doing to be safe about it. I don't think we need to close all our businesses back down again. In fact, I think the WHO even came out and said that their advice is to never shut down again because of the impact that that has. But, Let's talk about that later, not yeah. late into a very long show already. Um, you had a topic. Yeah. You have to, a- oh, you have you to have ask a- another question. It's Dustin okay, asking cool. me a All question right, time a quick again. One. Yeah, pick a number. So I have to pick a number. Pick seven. Right. Um, 11. Oh, you know, nice. Seven, okay, 11. Dustin's questions. Number 11. Uh, oh, this is an easy one. Uh, when you eat peanut M&Ms, you know, sometimes you get one of those like really big M&Ms, or sorry, it's a little bit smaller. Uh you know how when you eat peanut M&M's, sometimes you get one that's like a little bit smaller than a regular peanut M&M, but bigger than a regular M&M, and it doesn't have a peanut in it? Yeah. I want them to just make those. I like those. What's your favorite color of M&M? Green. Red. Blue. Red. I like I like blue. Yeah. They all taste the same, right? It's just, uh, yeah. I like the blue ones. I don't know. Why not? Yeah. What would all you right. call that bag? Oops All, Oops all Chocolates? Oops All M&M's? Yeah, yeah. sure. All right, you had something about the Pope. The cool Pope. Pope. Cool Pope did the something Pope, cool. The Pope. Yeah. So he came out in. He's gay. Favor. Uh, he is. <laughs> I hadn't the last finished one that was gay. He came out in favor of civil oh, unions. Right. In. A, so there was a documentary that just aired recently at some film festival called Francesco. It premiered Wednesday at the Rome Film Festival. And this is what he said, and I quote, homosexual people have the right to be in a family. They are children of God, Francis says in the film. You can't kick someone out of a family, nor make their life miserable for this. What we have to have is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. Now, obviously, this goes against, I don't know, thousands of years of Catholic tradition. Um, And immediately after, we had cardinals, et cetera, coming out and saying, like, you know, He's saying that, but he's, that's his opinion. That's not really from the church. Or that's just the Pope but talking. It's just we the all Pope, just right? got together and decided um, for fucking days before we picked a Pope because if it, he ever said anything, we'd have to live by it. But why, why would we live under this decision? <laughs> uh, I, I think it's awesome. I think so too. Uh, I like it. I think it. so too. Uh, so yeah, that that happened. Which you know, I, I'm not a, a big fan of organized religion. No, at all, could but. you? You know what kind of sucks is. Imagine being oppressed, 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 and the way that you get unoppressed is for a government to be able to allow you to join a contract. 
Like, what the fuck is this world? Like, can't I just be in my, like, like, I wish that they could have all the benefits of being recognized by the government without having to go through some sham, like, why is the government involved with my marriage? And still have, like, that feeling of, I chose to be with you, and we, it's just so fucking weird that, like, for you to be recognized as a human, the government has to get involved. It is strange. And one thing we should point out, the, um... The amazing Randy that we talked about at the intro was also a gay man. Oh, and yeah. He came out very, very late in life. I don't understand. Because of his fears of what that would be yeah. if he came out earlier. So. Yeah, how sad that he had to live like that, right? It really is. Yeah. It really is. Uh, All right. I, um, I, I didn't get to PCR tests, but that's fine. You get the idea. Of oh. Uh, it's, it's, it's fine. We can talk about it. That's the virus. Hopefully, the Trump virus will be gone several shows from now, and then we can just have this thing that's killing us. So. You do? <laughs> no. I hope that the Trump oh, virus gotcha. is gone, yes. Yeah. Hey, Alan, do you feel like you have a new a new gland? I do. <laughs> do you, did you find yours? I do. I'm super excited about it. Uh, so this is kind of interesting, only because, I think the only reason it's interesting is because it's 2020 and we're still like figuring shit out about like our own bodies, which is, you'd think we'd be done with that territory, right? Not me. Um, I'm always exploring. I, I, I mean, don't think we're talking about the same thing, are we? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> so scientists discovered recently a new set of salivary glands that we didn't know existed. I, I bet they're in the back of the throat. And I can only show you if you close your eyes. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, that, that was, that was, yeah, I have my wits about me yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that was great. All right, so tell me about your gland. This is called the nasopharynx region. It's behind the nose. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, was, it was not thought to host anything but microscopic diffuse salivary glands, but the All newly right, discovered can... set are one and a half inches in length. You have one what? and a half inch glands back there, dude. All right, that actually pairs really well with the show I watched, but we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. to that soon. Uh, because of God, we have so much show left. Okay, go on. <laughs> We're almost there. So, because of their yeah. location over a piece of cartilage called the torus tuberius, <laughs> nobody saw it. It was hiding it was behind hiding, a trapdoor, and they're calling them the tuberial salivary glands. Now, the reason they were able to find this is they were doing some research. Uh, a Netherlands Cancer Institute was using a combination of CT scans and positron emission tomography scans. They're called. That's- PSMA pet CTs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to interrupt you. Okay. Dodgers infielder Justin Turner was removed from game six after testing positive for COVID-19. Removed like during the game or? Yeah, he was subbed during the ninth inning of of the World Series clinching game six due to positive COVID-19 test. How the, they got results in the middle of the game, well, end of the game? And- yeah, apparently. They're like, hey, you get out of there. It's like, but I've been breathing on these people. What the, Wow. Wait, hold on. He's been sitting in a dugout with all of his teammates, yeah. and they're still fucking out there. Yeah. This is a stupid thing. <laughs> We're doing dumb stuff. Like, <sighs> We just all have to figure out our own risk level we're willing to accept and then go live our lives, right? Indeed. Okay, I'm just going to wrap this story up. So basically, yeah, sorry, dude. they were doing these, because they were using this crazy combination of scans to try to find... Um, this cancer in people, they found this area which never would have shown up any oh, other wow. way. 
Um, so that's how we found our new salivary glands that we're all proud to own, I'm sure. That's so cool. It's kind of cool. Well, I'm going to get mine. Do we need them? Yeah. In fact, in fact, they're saying that it might improve people's cancer treatment in the future because what they, they typically try to sort of shield your salivary glands when they're giving you certain types of treatment so they don't get damaged. Because if they do get damaged, like in chemo or whatever, radiation treatment, that you it, it, it reduces your quality of life, right? Because it's hard for you to like eat and maintain, like your mouth just gets fucked up, right? Because the salivary glands are fucked up. So they're saying that now they can sort of protect these when people are getting radiation treatment and that should improve their quality of life after the treatment. So there you go, silver lining. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Hey, um, you had another question for me? Uh, yeah, let's see. One more. You got to pick a number, though. Okay. Hold on. Let me get the thing. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go with number one. Oh. Uh, you know what? You successfully dodged all the really, oh, nice. really bad ones. I'm really Nailed glad it. we got bad ones for to save for next Nailed week. It. These are just fun ones. All yeah. right. Uh, would you ever eat dorm room chef-style pasta with scrambled eggs? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, have you ate? Okay. Did I ask a question that you understood? Because I, I, really? You mean, so. Do, How would you prepare what I just said? You're talking like, like cup of noodles or ramen that you like. No, I mean, like, I had a, fr- so I call this dorm room chef. Uh, me and my friend Mike, we'd get, we'd get stoned, go out to Petaluma and then go back to the dorm. And I'd end up falling asleep on his couch. But before that, He'd be like, I'm going to go to the kitchen. And he'd come back and be like, these are all the ingredients. Oh, I'm like, okay, I cool. Uh-huh. And then he'd go back and cook things and be like, here. I'm like, this was shit food. Like, like this is not, did I say it was a dorm? You did. Like, it's not a healthy environment. <laughs> and you just make the greatest food. But it would be things like, oh, I had eggs that were expiring, so I fried them up, and then I put them in the pasta. Like, oh, what? I had friends that did that, too. I think. Yeah, but have you ever ate pasta with eggs in them that you made? Like scrambled eggs, because this is my my brother did this recently, and I thought it sounded gross. I haven't, but I feel like egg as a protein is is used in a lot of like. So, for instance, um, Thai food. Thai food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I said on the phone with my brother. He was like, "Yeah, I did that." I was like, "Oh, that's like Thai food." Yeah. And then I hung up. I was like, "Wait, no, that's gross." No, I, that's I'm down. Yeah, right. I'm down. So, how would you prepare this? Oh, well, that's a complicated question. I mean, I have to know all the ingredients, but, you know. No, you, you got nudes and eggs. I'm telling you, dorm room style. You fry the eggs first, and you put them in with the nudes. Okay, do you fry or scramble? Yeah, scramble. Yeah, you don't want scramble. You don't want yolk. Scramby eggs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what kind of sauce? Clearly a white sauce. Clearly a white sauce. Okay. Or a, a spicy red. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. It's too late to be hungry. A rabiata. Um, what's that mean? It's like a spicy... Uh, Red. Tomatoes, sauce, spicy Italian, redhead. Yeah. Remember that episode of The Office where Michael Scott made everybody turn in names and phone numbers and she said spicy redhead and it was a phone number for the local Wendy's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. How did all those words come out in order? I was just like skiing downhill and the words were falling out of my mouth. I was just like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. <laughs> Nicely done. You nailed it. Thanks. I have Thanks. a really important question. Uh, we're almost, okay, we got to get to our media stuff. Wait, before that. Do, okay. do we have time for sharks? No, we don't have time for sharks. God the interview went too long. I'm sorry. <sighs> All right. Natasha next asked time, me this next weekend time if there for really sure. was a next story episode, for sharks. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. N- Natasha asked me this weekend if there really is a shark story. Of I was there like, is. there is, but there's just we keep having things. To... I told her, but but there's no time now. No time. No time for sharks. Yeah, but I'm sorry, like, audience. There's no time for sharks. Yeah. 
next it's a really short story so as long as i can squeeze it in like it'll just take like a minute probably but there's no time for sharks this week i'm sorry all right let's get into media what are we consuming so i know we both watched borat last week and i i was very adamant that we not have any reactions before we got on the show so who 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 do you want to go first you want uh no you please i mean i do you want would you like me to go first oh i don't care either way i'll go i all i have to start my note is mcdonald trump at one point he says mcdonald trump and i wrote that down and then once i wrote that down i was like i should probably take some notes (laughs) (laughs) i thought mcdonald trump sounded so funny i was like i've never heard that before that's pretty funny all right, go ahead. Uh, okay, so as everybody knows, I think at this point, uh, the new Borat movie was released on Amazon Prime last week. There was some news made in it in that Rudy Giuliani was was featured in a somewhat compromising position, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. We all remember the original Borat, I think, and it was, it was at the time one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in the cinema, right? And it was... Yeah, I have to admit, like, that the 12-year-old in me laughs at that, like, don't act like you're better than it. Yeah, it was it was hilarious, and it was one of those movies where it's not the only type of comedy I watch. No, just when I watch that type of comedy, I laugh. Right, and it was one of those movies where, like, weeks later, hell, years later, you could remember a scene just randomly pop in your head, and you'd just laugh out loud for no reason because you remembered it and what it made you feel. Right. Nobody's ever said my wife <laughs> since then. <laughs> right. So this movie was. This movie was okay. It was... Yeah, I'd agree with you. It like, was... Like many sequels, especially ones that come out year after their... What, 12 years. What's the word? Yeah, 14. 14 years, yeah. Yeah. It, it was... There were some funny parts, but it, yes. I did not... Remember, so you messaged me a, a meme and asked me if it was funny last week. Yeah. Remember what I said? Yeah. You don't have to specify the meme, but you remember what I said? Mm, what did you say? I, I said it's, it's ha funny, not LMAO funny. <laughs> yes, right. Okay. Yeah. This movie was ha funny. I, I didn't I wasn't laughing with my teeth out at any any right. moment. I don't not think... the way that you did to the first one. Right. And like the next day I wasn't remembering scenes necessarily in my head that just made me LOL. Although you did send me a couple of pictures that I kind of hawed at. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, so Okay. Okay. So we uh, in general are we going to spoil or not spoil? Uh, I don't. Do people care? I don't like. I don't think. I think we can talk. I about think we can this. talk about it. I'm not worried about spoilers. L- listeners, just skip ahead because we do have a little bit more. Just well, there's probably after this, there's probably five minutes. So skip to five minutes left in the show. Okay. <laughs> if you don't want spoilers. Right. Now, <laughs> go ahead. The part where she he carries her on his shoulders in CPAC, and you see Pence's reaction. Is kind of funny the the fax machine scene where he's faxing fax machine. Okay, all right, all right. So, um, so much of the movie. It so so your point was that it's just not as funny as the first yeah, one, right? Yeah. And you said it's like ha funny, not LMF LMAO funny. Right. And and I would say it, my analogy is a little bit more like you ever start a motorcycle? Sure. It like you got to kick it, and like chances are you got to kick it a couple times, yeah. especially if it's old. This movie kept like the jokes kept kickstarting and not really turning over. I, so you would feel like I know how this motorcycle feels when it starts, and you'd never really get to the point where you're going, ha, 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 ha. right, right, you know. Uh, but there, there was a few times, and and actually, I I went back and watched it again the other night, and I found a little bit more humor in it, but. 
um, yeah, so much of it was like really on the nose, like the Trump and Melania stuff, how Melania was like a Disney princess that <laughs> she wanted to be one cage. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of stuff like the, the grab her vagine and, you know, but I, I thought a lot of the fake names were my favorite parts. I think I really laughed out loud at the, fa- he said one of his fake names was John Chevrolet. <laughs> yes. The other one was Cliff Safari. And like people just heard Cliff Safari. That was the name at the debutante ball. He goes into a debutante ball oh, and God. says, my name's Cliff Safari. Dude, the blood dance, the moon blood. The, um, uh, so you expect <laughs> cringiness with Sasha Baron Cohen, right? That's expected. Oh, but fucking hell, that was cringy. Okay, so that was funny to me. It that was, was funny. as funny as the first. Okay. No, I when I watch, especially when I watch this. Okay, I'm kind of thinking that this one might have been funnier the second time. Really? And the reason it wasn't as funny the first time is because you're kind of hit with the notes of it. Like, like think of it as like a fragrance. And on the first note, you're like, well, that's really on the nose. Mm. And it's all the stuff that, like, the Trump, the Melania, the pussy grabber, right? Like, all that stuff. <laughs> the part where but when you go back and, in the and you watch it again. the synagogue with the Jewish ladies. And he goes in <laughs> as a marionette with the really long uh, nose. Yeah. Uh, that was. Did you cry in that scene? No. I cried in that scene. Are you really? Actually, no, I didn't. I'm being a baby. I cried. Did you watch the credits all the way to the end? Probably not. One of those ladies that he met in the synagogue passed away in the last oh, year. Oh, fuck. Okay, no, I, did def- I definitely did I, not see that. I, I don't want to say because I don't remember, but I think it might have been because of COVID, perhaps not. Um, and when I read that, that made me cry. Wow. Because that was the sweetest part of the movie. It really was. They were super nice yeah. to him. They were, oh, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, but, but so 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 much of the of the movie was, to me, just a little, like, too on the nose. And then when I watched it the second time, it was easier to dismiss that because I'd already seen that. I was like, okay, well, I knew you were going to say that. And then the funny things were still funny. So you were kind of desensitized. Uh, See, I had no desire to watch it a second time. Like, I, Okay, do you remember when he ordered the cupcake? Okay, so do you remember when he goes to the, the cake place and yes, he basically tries to recreate the Supreme Court decision about will the cake the shop yeah. write whatever you yeah, want, right? Yeah. So he says, right, Jews will not replace this on this cake. And the lady does it. And then there's more to that scene where she buys a cupcake with a baby on it and eats the baby and ingests the baby. But just there's rewind a, whole, a second. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's a big there's a big deal about that cupcake or that cake artist writing that on that cake as if with a camera crew in your face, you're going to say something controversial like no to a customer. Because mm. if you say yes, they're just going to record it and leave. And if you say no, obviously this agent prov- provocateur is going to say something to you, right? Like, sure. like I just that wasn't quite fair. And then that kind of sets a bad tone for the scene. And then you kind of forget what's happening. And then the next thing you know, they're eating the cupcake and she's got the baby in her stomach, which leads to a very funny scene where they go to a non-abortion doctor family mm-hmm. care and it's- hint at that person that he put the baby in her, right. not, you know, I, I don't know. That that whole scene was just too uncomfortable. I'm not going to summarize it. We're not here to summarize a funny story on our podcast, but the just all 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 of that like my, my bottom line with that movie was kind of that I couldn't tell if the rednecks that he was staying with were actors. I couldn't tell if anybody that was talking to him when he was wearing the Borat outfit had to have known about Borat. So those people must have been actors and then trying to decide that while I'm watching it took me out of the movie. 
Yeah, or if they're not actors, they're definitely like in on the joke and that they understand what's actually happening, right? Right, right, right. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it just, it kind of took me out of it, but. Okay. Well, can we talk about the Giuliani scene though? Sure. Like, what do you think happened there? I thought that scene was a complete letdown. So did I. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a good letdown, but like it was a complete letdown compared to what they had said. The worst thing that happened that scene was that as she was like leaning over to touch his, to undo his microphone, he tapped her on the lower back. I think, I think that was the part coupled with at the time what he was saying, which was, why don't you give me your phone number and address, which is out of context. So I don't know what it meant. Yeah. I don't think it came off looking great in the scene, but I don't think it was <laughs> no. nearly as the way it was blown up on social media before I saw it, it was it it wasn't nearly that right yeah yeah I mean it was yeah still didn't come it, yeah whatever like Trump said that's Rudy that's Rudy <laughs> hey that should be the show title might be my suggested show title was going to be taking the bait but bait will be like master bait right. and it'll be about <laughs> okay okay Tubin and and Giuliani Giuliani right yeah. I don't think he was yeah. tucking his shirt in, by the way. I, you don't? I think he was adjusting he was and like his penis. Yeah. I think if you're that old, the best way to tuck in your shirt, and if somebody had to say this for me to realize it, when you're old, like you lay back and you tuck your shirt in. And his shirt probably was untucked from getting his mic unplugged. I don't want to give him the, the doubt here. Don't get me I, wrong. I think it's clear what he thought was about to happen. So I don't. You do? Yeah. I don't know. I want to say I do, but like. I'm still it's underwhelmed by wants it. To give but... people fair, yeah, I don't know, man. But then I, the next time I watch it, I'll be like, I don't know. Really looks like that's what's <laughs> it's happening. A sus. What he thinks is happening. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> sus. Yeah. All right. You know what? We can settle on sus. Yes. I see you watched the Chicago Seven. I didn't finish it, um, but it's really good, and I will finish it. And I liked it a lot. You're old like me and get tired. <laughs> True. Did you fall asleep watching it, or did you turn it off? I fell asleep. Yeah, I do that too. I'm going to do that tonight. So I have a show that I actually oh I watched. Can you see what it is now? No, it's it's covered in a black I bar. Did that on so, purpose, listeners. We have a show sheet, and this has been blacked out. Yeah. So okay, we can't wait. How do I do that? I'll show you later. What can you show me? Yeah, I'll show you. Show. Right, cool. So so this show, I cannot fucking believe that you have not already brought this show to the podcast. Do you think I've already seen it? I don't know, but I is it new? Yes. Oh, what's it called? Are you ready? Oh, well, go ahead. Tell me about so it. So yeah, first of it, all, yes. you sent me a trailer for this show before it was released, and I was like, oh, wow, that sounds amazing on Instagram. And Is it Animaniacs? Because Animaniacs is coming back out. I'm excited about that, but no, it's not. <laughs> it's not it's Animaniacs, not damn it. Okay, that's one guess. Okay. Uh, this show is, okay, I'm just going to say what it is. Okay. It's The Cabin with Burt Kreischer. Oh yeah, I watched it. You watched it? Yeah. F- um it's background show for me. Have you liked it? I loved it. It's background show in a good way. Like I watch it and no. it's enjoyable, but you can go in and out on it. No, I loved it. It okay. Yeah, I liked All right, it. So a lot here's, too. Let me set this up. So Burt Kreischer is a comedian, which I think a lot of people know. He's the guy that doesn't wear a shirt on stage and tells funny stories about Russian gangsters, right? Uh 
so he's also very connected with like Tom Segura and sort of like the Joey Diaz, sort of Joe Rogan-ish. Joe Rogan. Crowd. They all did the Sober October yeah. stuff together. Yeah. yeah. So this show, which is a reality. He, he, By the way, he had like a breakdown recently on his show with Tom Segura called uh, Two Bears, One Cave. I'm calling it a breakdown. It really wasn't. But he's just like, everybody's moving from California. And I'm like, uh, I thought all my friends lived here. And I'm just watching <laughs> this guy be like, man, you and Tom and Joey and Joe were friends and like the rest of them can all deal with being by themselves but I don't know what you're going to do when all your friends move mm. also this is me speaking about myself <laughs> <laughs> nice all right i was like oh i know that feeling watch out <laughs> so this is a reality tv show wherein bert kreischer decides he needs to kind of get away from it all and re- sort of rediscover himself right and so he goes to this cabin in the woods outside of malibu and he's supposed to just like meditate and like eat better and like learn to be a better person, right? And instead, what he does is decide to film this TV show and invite a bunch of his friends out to go through these experiences with him. I I expected the the Tom Segura Joey Diaz episode in some ways, in that I know them, I know their humor, and I knew kind of what to expect. The part where they're cutting up the emu with the chainsaw, uh, <laughs> pretty fucking funny. But yeah, and he's like, you cut too deep, and now the intestines. Yeah, dry. and then the chef, the actual butcher came over. He's like, oh no, you fucked up, <laughs> right? Yeah, that it was fun. It was fun. All right, so that episode was was fun. What I expected, even though that episode even got a little deeper, I think than I expected because it wasn't just all of them get deeper than a comedy no, show no, would. But on. at the same time, it, it. But at the same time, it's still garbage television, palatable. I didn't think if so. that's all you, if that, if that's all you want from it. I so like the episode with Caitlyn Jenner. I did not expect at all. I loved that episode. It was episode. great. I did not expect yeah. to like her as much as I did. When he brought his dad on, that yes, was really cool. that was amazing. Yeah. I didn't expect his reaction to that, his dad's reaction to her. It'd be one thing if his dad came on and the whole thing felt like it was coached, but right. it, it all it just felt so genuine. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, it was really good. You're right. It was really good. And like, I don't... But but what I'm trying to say is like, if you, if that was on in the background, you could have also tuned it out. Oh, for like, sure. I like television like that. So much of TV... You like can't even fucking fold the laundry while it's on. Right. Like I need yeah. yeah, I like you know I don't get me wrong, I don't want just bubblegum. I want something like this that you can choose to come in and out of, maybe watch it twice, you know? Yeah, so because there's segments. Yeah, so that like the the Caitlyn Jenner episode was definitely, I think, the best episode. It it was un- completely unexpected for me. The Bobby Lee episode was great. Like I didn't expect. But Bobby Lee is so much more of a character than you think, right? Yeah, but he comes out. They all these people come out with all this like really deep dark shit that you don't expect them to come out with. No, no, I know. I've heard Bobby Lee on po- like long form podcasts. He's just there's a human there. Yeah. Like, I think there's that's... a lot of like that Robin Williams. I won't let yeah. you in. But yeah. once you get down to it, there's a human, and that's what that's what I love about comics, man. I feel like the whole theme of that entire show is that. Yeah, I, you know what? I agree. Um, I just and that and that we're all like that. Yes, and that comics just can connect to that easier and make you and enjoy it while they tell you. Right, they use their pain. It's to... all comedy is right. right. Like. I'm going to make you laugh while I, while I tell you all these fucked up things about being a human. So it, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. It's probably one of my favorite shows I've seen since we started this podcast, to be honest. Um, I fucking loved it. It was great. I recommend it to everybody. You don't have to be a fan of any of these comedians uh, to enjoy this show and really get 
the... No, you're totally right. Yeah, you could hate Burt Kreischer. Yeah. You'll like the show because he's an idiot in it, right. finding himself. I mean, it's, there and, are hilarious know. scenes, but it's also... And there is reality TV is. where it's like, yeah, you know... For sure. but, but like. But, like, just go in not trying to, like, trick yourself into not liking it. You know, go in w- with, uh, what is it, suspend disbelief yes. to an extent. Yeah. You know, obviously, it's a produced television show. Like, don't be like, well, they planned that. Like, no shit. They didn't want to fuck up on their film. <laughs> they, they would, like, not catch the right thing. Yeah, that was totally planned. You're right. That's how filming things works. Like The Joel McHale sorry. and Miss Pat episode where they, they try to go I, fishing. <laughs> I haven't got there. Oh, really? I think that's the one I'm on. Yeah, I th- that's the one I'm on because I know that they're both on an episode, and I like both of them independently. I mean, Nikki so Glaser was cool. great I... in the uh, Caitlyn Jenner episode too. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, yeah, yeah loved it. Yeah, absolutely recommend. Cool. Yeah. The the movie I watched this week was a movie called Sputnik or Sputnik. It's... Is this a new movie? Yeah, it's a new movie. So I rented it. Uh, no, I bought it. Okay. I bought it because it's a Russian film. And it's in subtitles, and I knew there was a chance I'd fall asleep because I get sleepy when I watch movies. Is it propaganda? No, it's not. Uh, okay. uh, I'm trying to think. I really don't see how. Uh, okay. Yeah. The, it, it did get made with the Ministry of Culture, I think, though, so <laughs> we shall see. Um, now, wait do you see what it's about. So I won't okay. ruin this movie because it's too fucking good, man. I honestly, like, like I've been real silly in the last few minutes. This was the out. It's a different movie than Tenet. I enjoyed myself at the theater and watching Tenet more than anything I've seen this year. But I think this was the best movie I've seen this year. Wow. Yeah. It's really good. I highly recommend it. I bought it because I knew I'd have to go back and watch it again. And I was afraid I'd run out of rental time. And it's not like the old days where you could just rack up rental fees and never bring the tape back. (laughs) So they take it from you. Uh, so I just bought it. Uh, I, I recommend, uh, dude, honestly, I'd recommend buying it. It's right up there with Alien. Ooh, okay. It's that theme. So it's horror It's a documentary? Sci-fi. Okay. It's, nope. oh, I was thinking a documentary. Okay. Yeah. No, Alien was not a documentary, Alan. I wish. They're not bringing a super predator back to Earth and then tying it up with another franchise to actually kill a predator. Um, it is 2020. You know That's true. Back to the subject, uh, Sputnik starts off with two cosmonauts uh, preparing to head back to Earth in a, a, a Soviet capsule. Is one of them named Yuri? Probably, actually. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, if not Ivan, right? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yuri or Ivan. Uh, especially yeah. back then. The movie like quickly introduces what will be the theme of the rest of the movie. I'm not spoiling to tell you it has to do with an alien. Um, the, mm-hmm. as they are reentering the atmosphere, they can see the capsule hatch, like handles start to turn. And like, you like, you start to think like they're going to like detach from their seat belts and go stop it. But then it cuts and then they've landed and you understand that whatever happened now it's on earth with either the thing is there or the people are there, but you don't know yet. And then you cut to a, I'm not spoil. I will not spoil this movie. You cut to a, I think she's a psychologist. Uh, somebody's being brought in to help understand what's, what happened to the cosmonauts because he doesn't remember what happened to him on, on his arrival. And throughout the rest of the movie, there is something to do with like a specimen. And um, I don't want to ruin it. I really recommend this movie. I think it's the best 
just to be clear, they're they're speaking Russian. Speaking Russian. Time, I, mean, you have I understood sto because okay. that means what, and I understood spasibo. Uh, that's thank. Da, da. They understood, da, understood da, da. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody said Pajolsta, which is another word I know, but you know, we're really close. Dude, it's a really good movie. Like um, like I said at the beginning, cool. uh, alien vibes. So not I'm not I referencing like. it to a movie that you won't like. I'm not referencing it to some shitty movie. Like this is a big movie. Like if this came out in America, we would be talking about this. Nice. Yeah. Uh, How did you find it? The F and Nerds guys were talking about it. I, I would uh, not know about this movie if it weren't for the F and Nerds podcast. I'm grateful for that. Awesome. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's time to wrap things up, Alan. I think we managed to have an extra long show, and I still didn't say anything that made you not want to be my friend anymore. So. Not at all, but we didn't get to fucking sharks. Well, that's for the listeners to get upset about. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about sharks off the air? I mean, that's not fair to everyone no, else. No. No. Okay. No. All right. Uh, Bit huge, huge, huge. Oh, fuck. Let me get a running start on that again. <laughs> huge thank you to Hannah Cox for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have her, and I'm sure uh, we'll have her again. All her socials will be in the show descriptions. Please uh, follow and like. Check out her podcast. I enjoyed doing an interview with someone for the first time in a while, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, maybe we uh, need to incorporate that a little bit more. Uh, we we definitely have some contacts out there that we can we can bring aboard. Yeah, so we should yeah. definitely do that. So do more of that. Check out the website, nuntakenpod.com. All our socials are there. You can check out our Instagram, our Twitter, including you know Dustin saying crazy things according to my dad. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'll continue to tweet maybe once a day, and apparently once every eight months, say something provocative. <laughs> Uh, all right, you want to do the thing? Uh, oh, I, I have a quote for the show. You know who it's going to be. It's James the Amazing Randy. Science is best defined as a careful, disciplined, logical search for knowledge about any and all aspects of the universe, obtained by examination of the best available evidence and always subject to correction and improvement upon discovery of better evidence. What's left is magic. And it doesn't work. James, the amazing Randy. Rest in peace. May, may he rest in peace. Love it. Love it. All right. Let, do the thing. Uh, Alan, I hope I didn't offend you. None taken. God bless. That was fun. Now this is podcasting.